Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Football Addicts Anonymous podcast post-draft. It was a great draft weekend. I was very excited. A lot of great players. Congrats to all 262 uh, draft picks, as well as guys that uh, were undrafted and have got signed so far or invited to rookie minicamp this week. Um, yeah. I had a good time, man. I don't know if y'all caught any of our draft coverage with me and Schneck on on the pod, but... Yeah, it, uh, it was a great weekend, especially for a Jets fan. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to talk about here in this 2022 NFL draft coverage. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's how we'll end, end the show today. Uh... We'll start off with uh, get my paper situated here. Start off with uh, USFL Week Three recap. Get some got a couple NCAA nuggets, and then uh, talk some NFL news because some big news just broke um, about 15 minutes ago. So let's get to it here. Um, I wasn't able to watch as much USFL this weekend as I have in the first two, but I did catch some of three of the games. The fourth game I didn't watch at all because the USFL was on Peacock for the last game, and I did not get my subscription yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think I will get. I will be getting it eventually, um, mm-hmm. but uh, did not get it yet. But the first game on Saturday, two games Saturday, two games yesterday, Bandits come back and get the win, 27-26. They are 2-1. Uh, very happy. This was, uh, again, I think I only went, um, I think I went 1-3 again this week, so we're, we're going back downhill. Uh, I can't remember who I picked for the Michigan-Pittsburgh game. But I think I, I thought I picked Pittsburgh. I might if I didn't, then I went two and two. Um, but I couldn't remember. So, anyways, though this game, uh, yeah, the Bandits they were down a little bit. They were down seventeen to seven in the second quarter. Came back um, and then down twenty three to fourteen at one point near halftime uh 26-17 and then they came back uh in the fourth quarter to win it on a 46-yarder by Tyler Rousa not as not as time expired still 13 seconds left but they did well uh I don't know why the gamblers returned the kick the the kickoff it took 9 seconds off the clock they had one play and it was a completion for like nine yards and clock ran out. Uh, but yeah, I was impressed, man. This is the game that I thought Jordan Tom was going to have last weekend. And he comes back, uh, does a good job. They got boosted by a nice average from Jawan Washington on the ground. He scored. Uh, Derek Dillon had himself a day, 124 yards through the air. Um, capped by a 64-yard touchdown. That was the first score of the day for the Bandits. Uh, 
Yeah, Clayton Thorson wasn't bad either. Uh, had a had a good game himself. Mark Thompson, hundred yard, almost one hundred fifty yards on the ground. He is continuing to be the leading rusher in the league. Uh, he's been a monster out of Florida. And Anthony Ratliff Williams, he had an interesting touchdown. Uh, I was mad because I was rooting for the Bandits, obviously, but um, <laughs> he caught a long seam route from Clayton Thorson, got stripped. The ball hit the ground, and he, like, kicked it forward, and it <laughs> bounced right to him as he was still running straight towards the end zone. So he had a completion, a fumble, a fumble recovery, and a touchdown. <laughs> you love all, to in, see. all in one play in a matter of like five seconds. <laughs> but yeah, Isaiah Zuber scored. Um, not too much defensively. My defensive player of the game is actually on the losing side. Chris Odom, defensive end for the Gamblers. Six tackles, four solos. Two and a half sacks, tackle for loss, and a forced fumble. And special teams player of the game goes to Tyler Rousa with the game winner. Correct me if I'm wrong. This <laughs> seems to be the uh, like the first game, at least that I've noticed, that the offense is actually kind of won out in this game. But uh, like both quarterbacks actually did fairly decent, even though the interception trend still continues, but. Yeah. yeah, week two we had, we did have some scoring. Yeah, we, yeah, week two we had some scoring. This weekend, though, I think the quarterbacks played very well, uh, except for one game, which you'll see was, was absolutely horrible. But uh, the other three games, I think the quarterback play was, was pretty well, and I think they're finally adapting, getting settled down, and mm-hmm. uh, learning some of the defenses here. So yeah, Bandits two and one, uh, Gamblers one and two. It's weird because we set it up this weekend. It was uh, two one and one teams, two two and zero oh teams, uh, two zero oh and two teams, and two one and one teams. Kind of feels scripted, but I'm not going to say that <laughs> uh, because you know next weekend. It's not. We we only have one game of teams with the same record. That's the first game on Friday. But yeah, it was a little weird. All all, all teams had the same records when they played each other this weekend. Uh, Bandits minus one pushed. First push uh, of the USFL season. I almost blurted out XFL there. Uh, <laughs> over thirty eight and a half hit. It's going to get really complicated when we're talking USFL and XFL next spring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then the shows are just going to be just as long as when we're in-season NFL. <laughs> you might have to split it up. One show be USFL and one show be XFL. Yeah, we're going to add a show to Logan and I's law school workload. <laughs> uh, all right. The second game on... Saturday, top two teams in the USFL, 2-0 and going in. And the hometown Stallions, of course they're 3-0, right? Uh, yeah. Of course they are. Of course they're the only undefeated team left. 
Uh, but the Stallions got it done. 22-13 over the Breakers. Kyle Sloter, he was good. I mean, you know, I, the completion percentage is lower, but and he turned it over twice. But it was just hard to fault him for his performance. And by some miracle, the Stallions won with the quarterback throwing under 40%. Uh-huh. I don't know how that happened, but... It and did. they're leading rusher only getting 36 yards, too. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Ellis put 90 yards in a big workload for him, 25 carries on the ground uh, for New Orleans. Johnny Dixon had a nice day, 7 for 86, two touchdowns on 10 targets for the Breakers. Uh, you had Victor Bolden, the Stallions' leading receiver, uh, with six for 70, a touchdown, 13 targets. Uh, the tight end for the Breakers also had 10 targets. Sal Canella, uh, Marlon Williams scored on a 46-yarder, or 47-yarder there. Um, and then the tackles, man. The defense in this game was outstanding. As you can see, Scooby Wright was everywhere. 17 <coughs> total tackles, eight of them solos. Had a pass deflection and a forced fumble. Uh, but that's not my player of the game. My player of the game is Dondre Tillman. 11 tackles, 9 solos, 2 sacks, 3 tackles for loss, 2 pass deflections, and 2 forced fumbles. Mm-hmm. Honorable mention goes to DeMarquis Gates. Oh, yeah. That's just crazy, though. Like, Just looking at the offensive stats, you would think that New Orleans ran away with this game. The the def- Stallions defense was was outstanding in this game. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We had a safety in this game, Willie Yarbury. Uh, he wasn't the one that actually caused the safety, um, but Kyle Sloter got stripped in the end zone. One of his offensive linemen recovered the ball and got tackled by Willie Yarbury. So Yarbury gets the safety. Uh, and then also we had a blocked punt in this game. Nigel Chavis there for the breakers. He blocked the punt. Uh, but it was recovered by the Stallions. So no return for New Orleans, but they did get the block. Uh, the Stallions, underdogs, they got it, plus three and a half. And uh, under 44 and a half. The unders are still hitting, though. Where we are still getting unders. Um, the books have raised the points in some of the games. Like this one was the highest, 44 and a half of the weekend. Uh, they're still, most of the games still sitting around 40, though. But we're, we're still hitting the unders right now. Anyways. Okay, uh, first game yesterday, Panthers with the first shutout of the USFL season, 24 to nothing. And this is what I was talking about with the absolutely atrocious quarterback play. It was like I, it was terrible. Terrible. Uh, and, you know, the completion percentages for the Pittsburgh quarterbacks were fine, especially Kyle Laletta. I mean, 9 for 12, dude. Can't get much better. But he only threw for 42 yeah, for yards. 42 yards, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they didn't score. 
So, you know, they were throwing short all day. You know, Josh loves 8.3 yards per completion. Um, you know, Shea Patterson's only 49 yards on eight, eight completions. Paxton Lynch got hurt in this game. Uh, he hurt his ankle. So he, so Patterson had to come in. Um, but Paxton was good early. Um, he led them to two scoring drives early along with two two-point conversions because Jeff Fisher didn't trust his kicker all day. Uh, I think he kicked one field goal and he missed it. Uh, but, yeah, they scored three touchdowns and three two-point conversions. That's that, that was the scoring of the day. Uh, but, yeah, Paxton scored a touchdown. He ran a two-pointer in. Uh, Reggie Corbin had a great day on the ground, 133 on 20 carries and a touchdown. Madre London for the Maulers did a good job on the ground himself. Um, receiving game wasn't that great, averaging two yards per catch. Stevie Scott scored a touchdown. Uh, I think he ran a two-pointer in, too. And then uh, not much through the air for the receivers. Obviously, the quarterback sucked. Uh, but Trey Walker and Lance Lenore did did good jobs to get the yardage and catches that they did. And uh, defensively, I'm going with Jameson Houston. For the Panthers, five tackles, all of them solos, two pass deflections, and he had a blocked field goal. Oh, so, so that what? Obviously, you got there at the bottom of the screen. There, the kicker for Pittsburgh, Ramiz Ahmed, was zero for three. So that was one of the misses. So then he actually missed two other field goals, or were they like tipped yeah. or blocked too? Nope, he missed them. Okay. Yeah, it was a problem all day for Pittsburgh. They did they couldn't get any momentum, man. Uh, and the one they tried, one of his misses was from like 55 yards because Kirby Wilson was just grasping at anything, trying to get some points on the board, and they just couldn't get it. Um, you know, they you see there, Carlo Kemp, he had a blocked punt, uh, and they turned that into no points. You know, they were set up on, like, the 30, 35-yard line, and they, they didn't get any points out of it. Uh, that one, I think that drive, they went for it on fourth and one, and Garrett Groshek has got stopped. I mean, the, the defensive line and, and the front seven of Michigan, they're the best defense. Despite the one and two record, they're the best defense in the USFL right now. They've allowed 11, 10, and zero points in their three games. So seven points again. Yeah, I mean they are they're awesome. It's just they hadn't had that offense to go with it, and finally when when they get something going with Paxton Lynch, he gets hurt. So you know, we'll see if he's hurt indefinitely or not. But I don't I don't know because Shea Patterson because Paxton started this game after Shea Patterson started the first two games. And, you know, Shea Patterson didn't get it done. So Paxton got his chance and had two scoring drives and, you know, got hurt after that. So, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't really think it matters who the quarterback is. Just based on this game and this these stats, like, that offense runs through Corbin there, it seems like. 
Uh, or at least the running game. I don't know if it's necessarily specifically Corbin, but let's see what hit where he ranks in terms of rush yards. Um, overall, so he's seventh in the USFL in rushing yards. This was his. This was his big game. The 133. He only has 154 total yards through three games on the on the ground. So yeah, it, yeah. Um, but I think this is more of an indication of Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is record-wise, obviously they are the worst team in the USFL, and I think I I really do think they are. I mean. I, I've liked what I've seen from Josh Love. Kyle Lalletta looked pretty decent in this game. It again, you just you have to get the downfield passing game going. Uh, you can't just throw it short all the time. And Kirby Wilson's system isn't working. They drafted players for this team to be ground and pound and run clock, and that's how they were going to win with little play needed from the quarterback, either quarterback. But it hasn't worked out. They they haven't been able to consistently establish the run game, and when that's not working, Logan and I talked about this before. You know, when it's not working, and you don't have that guy at the quarterback position that can throw it when you need him to, and be uh, effective, it's hard to win ball games. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how Pittsburgh can do. Uh, going forward, the rest of the uh, seven games here, they got they got Jersey coming up on on Saturday, so they better get their uh, rushing defense figured out too, because we know the Generals can run the ball. <laughs> and uh, speaking of the Generals, that's the last game we had yesterday: twenty four sixteen win over the Philadelphia Stars. Now, I would have liked to see how different this game would have been. Obviously, like I said, I didn't watch it. It was on Peacock. Um, I would have liked to see how this game would have been different had Brian Scott not gotten injured because he did get injured. Uh, Big blow to the Stars. Uh, Now, Case Cookus, you see, he didn't do too bad. Pretty good there, 65%, 146, uh, one touchdown. But they couldn't stop DeAndre Johnson. I mean, he is the best dual-threat quarterback in the USFL right now. Another massive ground performance by him uh, to go with 75% through the air, 130 yards, 94 yards on the ground, and a touchdown there. Uh, But like I said, dude, Jersey knows how to run the ball, man. Uh Trey Williams, 110 yards, 19 carries, four catches, 44 yards out of the backfield. Darius Victor scored twice. Also had 13 carries, 51 yards there, a little under four yards per carry. Uh, Philly is the worst rushing offense in the NFL, in the USFL. Uh, yeah. Paul Terry was their leading rusher. Leading rusher. Nice solid 17 yards. 17 yards, yeah. Uh, he had a massive workload out of the backfield catching the ball, though. Eight for 52. I mean, that's a big day uh-huh. for him. Uh, yeah, Cavante K- Turpin, leading receiver in the game, 78 yards on five catches, caught all five of his ball- targets there. Um, Bug Howard had a long touchdown 
former UNC tight end there, four for 78, six targets. DeAndre Overton scored a touchdown for Philly. Um, and then defensively, there weren't many special statistics. So I'm just going to go with the top guy in a losing effort, Jordan Moore. Most tackles, 10 tackles, eight of them solos, a sack, tackle for loss. Yeah, I mean, this is probably the most straightforward game here. There's not a lot of eye-popping stats. So it's just uh, the general's just taking care of business there. Um, but I think I asked this last week, or if I didn't, or whatever, I don't remember. But how does the playoff system work here? Are they all like, is there two different conferences or whatever, or are they all just one through eight? Or like, yeah, so how does that go? So there's a north and a south division. Uh, the north division is the Generals, Stars, Panthers, and Maulers. The South Division is the Stallions, Breakers, Bandits, and Gamblers. Um, <clears throat> and the top two teams in each division go to the playoffs. They play each other, and then the winners go to the championship game. Okay. So right now, through three weeks, the playoffs would be this game, the Generals against the Stars, and one of the other games we had, the Stallions versus the Breakers. But yeah, the uh, like I said, dude, the Generals, they are averaging 201.7 rushing yards per game through three weeks. I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, it helps when your quarterback can run for almost 100 yards himself, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I think that, that DeAndre Johnson guy has a really good chance of uh, – making a, a training camp roster at least. I mean, every week you put up his stat line, and he's he's putting up really good rushing yards. So, I mean, if you're an NFL team and you want maybe some option sub packages, why not go get a guy like him and see if he can carve out a role for you? Yeah, and I think, I think some of the teams that have uh, rushing quarterbacks already would, would look uh-huh. for – Toward him, you know, like the Ravens, the Bills, mm-hmm. the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think who other, what other teams have mobile quarterbacks like that. Uh, the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, the Eagles. Possibly even the Chargers. I know Herbert doesn't run it as much, but he's definitely capable. Uh, but yeah, I think some of those teams coming out. You know, because this season will end, I think, the the championship's July 3rd. So it's, you know, then it's about three week, two or three weeks till the till training camp. So I think that's when you'll see guys get signed to mm-hmm. training camp rosters. So maybe, maybe we will see uh, DeAndre Johnson get a shot in camp somewhere. <laughs> well, if, I, I hope it doesn't happen, but. If a similar situation happens like what happened with the XFL when they closed down midseason, do you think that any of these guys in the league so far have done enough to earn a spot? Oh, yeah. When you look at the top, you know, stat guys, 
Uh, you look at Kyle Sloter. Kyle Sloter is a leading passer in the league, 656 yards through three games. I think he's definitely – I mean, he's been around. He's been around the NFL before, multiple training camps and practice squads and whatnot. So I think he would definitely get another shot. Uh, the guy I'm most confident that will be not just on a roster, not just in camp, I mean, but I think he will most definitely make a 53-man somewhere this fall. Mark Thompson, leading rusher in the in the USFL right now, 310 rushing yards through three games, mm-hmm. averaging over 100 yards per game. So I think that's a guy that should most definitely make a roster. Uh, you got the leading receiver is Johnny Dixon right now, 165 receiving yards. Uh, not that confident in him. Some other receivers, though, have looked pretty good. Um, guy like uh, Cheyenne O'Grady with the Bandits. I think he could make a team as a third tight end. He's been pretty electric catching the ball. Um, definitely none of the kickers are going to get shots. <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely gotten better uh, since they changed and got the kicking balls, not just the balls with the chips in them, because that mm-hmm. was the issue week one, and then they finally got USFL kicking balls. So mm-hmm. it's been better. But they're still, obviously, like we saw with Ahmed there on the last one. Yeah, 0 for 3 field goals. I'm not going to get it done, man. So, nope. Um, and, you know, some of the defensive guys, like Reggie Northrop's had a good couple weeks. Donald Payne is the leading tackler. He has 41 total tackles through three, three games. Wow. So, he's a guy... Um, some of the defensive end, the pass rushers, I think could get shots. But, um, yeah, I think definitely there will be a bunch of guys that will get training camp shots at the very least. And then it's interesting because you look at it um, from the USFL roster building perspective, you know, they're eligible to go play in the NFL. They can't play in the XFL. Uh, until 2024 when their USFL rights are up on their two-year contracts that they signed. Mm-hmm. But there is there are options to go to the NFL. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how it works out, how many guys go. And then, you know, if, if they don't make a roster, there's a big decision. Would you rather play – would you rather be on a practice squad – or would you rather go back and train USFL? I mean, obviously you're you're going to be on the practice squad. That's the uh-huh. that's the thing that's funny though is like you know you're going to be on the practice squad, and you know just doing that through the NFL season, and then you come in the spring and you're back on your USFL team. Okay. I just don't. That know. was the other thing I wasn't sure about too was if they decided to go with an NFL team if there was like. If that terminated their contract with the USFL, I doubt it. Uh, I think it more like I said, be like an option. Uh, that if you, you know, I don't know, I don't know how it's how it's exactly going to work, but I would think that they would have an option to come back to the USFL on their same team uh, if it doesn't work out in the NFL. Yeah. So, 
But yeah, I don't, I don't exactly know. Uh, the Generals, though, plus one here. Uh, they cover under 40 and a half. Got the hook. Just half, half a point. <laughs> All righty. Let's get into NCAA news. We got two things here. I know Logan sent me a thing about this first one uh, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh wide receiver Jordan Addison mulling a transfer. He's he's looking. He hasn't actually gone into the transfer portal yet, but he's looking to transfer possibly. And the issue with that is that it's USC that he's looking to transfer to. But the issue is that he already knows where he wants to go, and there have been rumors about Lincoln Riley (laughs) calling him and saying, like, come to USC before he's even in the transfer portal, uh, which is a no-no. But I like what Colin Coward said. I I saw his little clip on Twitter today about the whole situation. He's like... There's, there's no way Lincoln Riley actually called him. You know, he's friends with Kayla Williams. They grew up together. Uh, and like Colin Coward said, players are going to talk to each other. You know, there's uh-huh. nothing wrong with that. There's no rules against talking to another guy on a different team. Uh, and we see it all the time. We see it, we see it all the time in pro sports. And he, he also mentioned, you know, you think LeBron doesn't call players and, and tell them that, that he wants them to come play with him? You know? So, I don't know. <laughs> Logan probably knows more about it. <laughs> well, all, all I saw was that tweet, and I'll say this. I, You know, when NIL first came out, you know, I was a big proponent of it. Still am, you know. I, you, you know, I want these guys to get their money, you know. They, they deserve it, um, especially after not being able to do it for a while. But does seem like there needs to be at least some guardrails coming soon because I, you know I looked at some of the the details of this apparently he's being offered like three million dollars by a um, a you know a booster group for USC and a house a house in SoCal so <laughs> I mean I I just, I think that it's a bad precedent to allow these blue blood teams to just be able to buy their way back into relevancy. Like USC hasn't been relevant for quite some time now because they didn't build good coaching staffs and they also didn't allow coaching staffs to really build a culture there because they were out in two years. Now Lincoln Riley comes in and I mean... It's just transfer city there, and I I just don't know if that is good for the game. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something. Uh, the <laughs> money that these guys, I mean, some of these guys are making more than than what you would getting drafted. Yeah. Uh. Which should not be the case. I definitely think it's probably not. People probably have an issue with it, but I think a system where. So, for anyone that doesn't know, when a when a player is eligible for the draft, they send in or guys that want to come out early. 
uh, redshirt sophomores, juniors, redshirt juniors, etc. Uh, for guys that want to come out early, they have to send in to the NFL Advisory Board or Council, whatever it's called, NFL Draft Advisory Council, and they have to submit an application so they can tell that player where they are projected to go in the draft, whether it's uh, first round, uh, second round. I think they do first round, second round, and then anything else. Uh, so I think that would be an interesting way to cap players in terms of NIL, saying that you have to submit this uh, to the NFL Draft Advisory Board uh, and then if you're projected first round, you can get this much. If you're projected second round, you can get this much. If you're projected the rest, you can get this much. I don't know if that's a good system. That's just something that I came up with on the fly. But the the timing. Yeah, I think the transfer portal could also be something that's leveraged to kind of curb this a little bit. Like the fact that this guy could potentially get $3 million, a house in SoCal, and then just start right away for USC this season. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know what to make of it. Well, that's what they were talking about this weekend because uh, they had they had an episode of College Game Day on uh, the pre-draft coverage day three on Saturday on ESPN. And they were talking about this, and they're like, you know, Lincoln Riley said that he's going to have a completely different raw. He's going to add like 18 players, they say, or 18 starters from his spring roster to his fall roster. Like you're going to get 18 starters over the summer somehow through the transfer portal. Like that, that should not be happening. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think. And it's, it's, I think it's, first off, it's crazy that the USC administration would allow stuff like this to go on, considering their past history with NCAA <laughs> violations. So, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a whole different thing, but. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, we kind of talked about this, like, Two months ago, or whenever that was, that we had our guests on when we talked about the NIL when that first came up, and yeah, the whole thing about the the players being paid and stuff is a gray area. But I don't know, kind of like what you guys were just talking about. Like, I think a way that they could maybe limit it or stop it or whatever is uh, like maybe putting a cap on the amount of players teams can get from the transfer portal or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that way, like, uh, like what's going on with USC, like Rusty just said, 18 starters going to USC. Maybe cap that number at 10 or even 5. I don't know. But just, uh, yeah, that's going to create problems with, like, 
I mean, obviously, there's been Alabama, who was a super team without the NIL stuff, but it's going to create even more big super teams and make other teams completely ir- irrelevant now. Mm. Okay. Uh, the other NCAA thing we had, Nebraska is in trouble again. Uh, Nebraska head coach Scott Frost issued a one-year show cause order uh, and also a planned five-day suspension this fall. Uh, when that will be, we don't know yet, but he will be suspended for five days this fall. Uh, the Nebraska football program also put on extended probation through April 2023. They uh, have a reduction of on-field coaches for two practices. I believe that is also in the fall. Um, And a $10,000 fine. The penalties stem from uh, having more than 10 on-field coaches during the 2021 season. And it specifically was a special teams analyst who interacted directly with the players. Uh, and as an analyst, you're not allowed to directly talk to the players. You're allowed to talk to the coaches, but you can't have direct involvement with the players themselves. Mm. So, yeah, Nebraska in trouble a little bit too. No comments? <laughs> just, I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know how to feel about that rule. Like, it just feels, uh-huh. I mean, really, like, analysts can't talk to the players. You want to separate that, like, part of the game out, like, and, like, have them be a, like, behind-the-shadows entity of your football team? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I had the same thoughts there. Like, it's just stupid that they can't interact with the players. Like, I just, I don't see the... Like, why they can't. Like, uh, what's the point of preventing that? I couldn't tell you. It's probably just another NCAA rule that... It's like the jelly rule for anyone that knows college sports and collegiate rules. The jelly rule where you can, you can give them grape jelly... Or you can give them strawberry jelly, but you can't give them grape jelly on a uh, visit for their bagel. Uh, so, yeah, that is the NCAA news. Uh, okay, we're gonna get into draft day trades. We're not gonna. We're just gonna talk about the player trades that happened on draft day. Uh, throughout the draft, actually, there's there's three of them that happened during the draft. We also had. One that just happened, uh, which I will talk about. But first one, yes, the Eagles. <laughs> they got a number one receiver. A.J. Brown is a Philadelphia Eagle. He's actually having his press conference, introductory press conference right now. Um, I've been getting updates on it. But uh, they sent the number 18 overall pick and the number – uh, 101 pick in the third round, which was subsequently traded to the Jets. Uh, <laughs> and they got a good player with that pick, Chris, I know. Uh, uh-huh. But the 18th pick turned into Traylon Burks, which was funny because <laughs> Daniel Jeremiah uh, 
his comp for AJ Brown or for for Traylon Burks was AJ Brown. So they essentially got the same guy, at least in DJ's eyes, for uh, a lot less money. Because uh, the Eagles, yeah. subs, uh, they signed AJ Brown to a four-year, hundred million dollar deal, uh, fifty-seven million guaranteed, a lot less than what he uh, wanted from the Titans. He wanted like eighty million guaranteed from the Titans. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how the whole process went. Like, I don't know if they like got AJ Brown's approval for the trade or whatever. Because I mean, obviously, he had to work out that deal with the Eagles. So he must have had some input in it. But uh, I don't know. I like this trade for the Titans. I'm not so sure I like it for the Eagles, though, because uh, mostly because of that point you already made, that Traylon Burks is essentially the same player as A.J. Brown. So, again, you're an Eagles fan, Rusty, so you probably have a better opinion on it than I do. But I think even though A.J. Brown is the proven veteran player, I'd rather roll the dice with the rookie contract, with the rookie wide receiver, instead of investing $100 million, even though it's only about half guaranteed, but essentially $100 million into one player. When the Eagles... They're not just one wide receiver away. They had a lot of holes, which they did fill a lot of those holes in the draft. But still, I don't think that this makes them a prime contender just trading for A.J. Brown here. I think it does. I mean, especially when you look at how he's, you know, track record drafting receivers has not gone well. (laughs) That Uh, is true. So, but still, to like, get they had Traylon Burks in their hands there, though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but you don't know if Traylon Burks is going to work out. You know, that's un- that's uncertain. This, re- yeah. uh, regardless of how highly he's, you know, drafted or scouted, whatever, you know, that's uncertain. It's not 100%. Mm-hmm. A.J. Brown's 100%. This is a guy that is still, he's he's 25 years old. He's turning 26 this year. He's still mm-hmm. young in his prime. He's had three thousand yards through three seasons. Uh, you know, it's a proven commodity. I think I think this is a good trade because of the fit. I think that you look at this is the like penultimate year of Jalen Hurts's evaluation, right? This is the year where you gotta He's either the guy or he's not, and then you got to figure out who is. I think A.J. Brown compliments Devonta Smith really well. Um, and I also think, I mean, let's say let's say Jalen Hurts isn't the guy. Well, now you've, you've built out, I mean, they have a really good O-line. They got pretty good backfield, and now they got a proven wide receiver one and a potential other wide receiver one in Devonta Smith if he can continue to develop. I mean, it's got to be a really attractive destination for veteran slash free agent wide receivers. Maybe Kyler Murray requests a trade, or maybe contract extensions don't come through with Lamar, or hell, maybe Brady wants to play two more seasons. 
you know so i think that's kind of like the mo right now for teams is like get a young quarterback on a rookie deal build Mm -hmm. a ton of stuff around him good o-line good weapons and if he's not the guy well at least you've built up a situation in which a proven command uh commodity will want to go there Uh uh-huh yeah and even if he's not like they've been saying everyone has been saying all along even if jalen hurts isn't the guy we have two first rounders in 23 we have two second rounders in 24 that's four premium picks that you can use because i highly doubt the eagles will be drafting at the top you know that they were they were nine and eight this season they were a playoff team I highly doubt they will regress so much with the additions they've made in a still not completely tough division. Yeah, it's not a great division. And especially with the weaker, with how much weaker the NFC has gotten, you know, those NFC games that they're going to be playing aren't going to be as hard as, you know, all the AFC teams have to go through. So uh-huh. I still think they're going to win nine or ten games and possibly make the playoffs as a wild card or even win the division um, this season. So, yeah, I definitely think they win the division. Uh, they have the ammo then next year if they see that Jalen Hurts isn't the guy. Even like this year, <clears throat> they made the playoffs. Uh, but if they see that Jalen Hurts isn't the guy, they have the ammunition to move up in the draft next year to get a guy like Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or someone else, you know, that that comes out. We always have, you know, one guy every year that comes out of nowhere and is a first-round kind of guy. So, but, yeah, I like the trade. I was ecstatic on night one. Uh, I'll talk about the rest of my team's night one picks and the rest of the Eagles draft when we get to the draft recap. But uh, next player trade we had, this was the other one that happened on night one. Uh, The Uh Cardinals getting another wide receiver, getting uh, Marquise Brown and a third-round pick, number 100 overall. That turned into uh, pass rusher Myjai Sanders for them um, Uh for the number 23 overall selection, which Which uh, the Ravens – Turned that was Linderbaum into right? Tyler Linderbaum. They traded yep. back with the Bills to twenty-five, um, <clears throat> and yes, that was ended up being Tyler Linderbaum out of that trade. But this this looms big now. I guess we'll actually talk about the news that broke because we it connects with this trade. Well, yeah. uh, Marquise Brown is gonna, is going to be the number one guy for the first six games now, essentially. Uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins suspended today six first six games of the season for PEDs. Uh-huh. So this is massive, and I'm very happy because I have him on at least one of my dynasty teams. Uh, so fantasy wise, I'm I'm very excited for Marquise Brown the first six games, especially. Yeah, but I mean, you gotta wonder though. Like, was this a thing that happened post draft with DeAndre Hopkins, or do you think that? the Cardinals were aware of it over the weekend while they were doing the draft. I think the Cardinals were aware of it because I saw a tweet from Ian Rappaport that said, uh, 
Hopkins withdrew his appeal, so his suspension was final today. Yeah. Uh, so, so I feel I mean, like they already knew. Yeah, so, I don't know. If I were the Cardinals, though, like, obviously Brown is coming from a team that was heavy on the run. They didn't pass too often, and when they did, it was mostly to Mark Andrews. So, I don't know. I feel like Marquise Brown is a lot – like, he's a very big question mark to me because mm-hmm. he hasn't been able to really show himself and his true potential on a team like the Ravens. So I don't know if he can really be a number one. Cause, I mean, yes, he was the number one in Baltimore, but like I said, they didn't pass the ball a lot, and so he didn't get a lot of opportunity there. And plus, here with the Cardinals, their wide receiver depth already wasn't all that great. So they, they now don't have DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games. They already lost Kirk to to Jacksonville and their other top receiver that they had last year was AJ Green and uh, he's not there anymore I don't think so no they re-signed him oh they did okay well then they still have him at least Rondale Moore yeah but I don't know I just Marquise Brown would not have been the receiver I would have tried to go for if I were the Cardinals yeah I mean well someone mentioned it it's he was selected 25 overall in his own draft class, and he's done really not – he hasn't really done anything to live up to that, uh-huh. that billing. Um, now, I think he's going to be better. Yeah, I think he's a better fit for this offense, you know, that kind of air raid. I mean, he wasn't a good fit for that kind of, like, power running game uh-huh. that the Ravens try to run. I mean, he's he's small. Probably didn't want to block. (laughs) Right, yeah. I mean, he basically cannot block NFL corners, (laughs) but he's not really going to be asked to do that in in Arizona. So, I mean, I like the fit, um, but, I mean, the value for the Cardinals just just isn't there. I just don't think he's worth the first-round pick. Well, I thought that too, but then when they get the third-round pick with it, with him, I think it makes up for the uh, added value there to to trade the first rounder. That's what. That's how well, I. Yeah, you know, this, the I mean, I think makes it makes up for it. Yeah, this this trade is definitely uh, to be determined who the winner is because, like I said, or like we said before. The Cardinals got Majai Sanders with that number 100 overall pick. So if he turns out to be even half the pass rusher that Chandler Jones was for them, right? then I think they win this trade. But we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I think if if you're getting like six sacks, six to eight sacks a year from Majai Sanders as a third-round pick, I mean, I think that, that would work out. Uh, and then the next draft trade we had was a familiar face going back to his former team. Troy Hill headed back to the L.A. Rams. Um, they needed corner help, depth behind Jalen Ramsey, because uh, they they lost they lost Demarius. Uh, was not De, not Demar- was it Demarius Williams. Darius. Something like that. I, I don't remember. It's D. I remember he starts with a D. I can't remember if it's 
Demarius. It's Darius Williams, yeah. Darius? He went to okay. the Chargers, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but they lost him in free agency, so they needed some corner help behind Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I think he has a pretty big salary. That's why this pick was a 2023 pick for one. It was. It ended up. It was on day three, so it didn't really make sense for them to trade a, a day three pick. I mean, they had like, I think they ended up having seven or eight <laughs> picks in the draft total, with most of them coming on day three. So, uh, but yeah, twenty twenty three fifth rounder going back to Cleveland, signed him in free agency. Uh, was it just last year? That just, I don't know. Maybe it was two years ago. But I feel like this is uh, relatively quickly to give up on Troy Hill and for Cleveland's sake. Yeah, just uh, continue to wonder what the Browns are doing. <laughs> uh, and then one trade that just happened. Uh, another <laughs> lower-level trade for a future pick. The Texans... Just traded defensive back Lonnie Johnson Jr. to the Chiefs for a 2024 seventh round pick. Talk about not even close to getting your return value on a player. The Texans drafted Lonnie Johnson, I believe, in 2018, 2019, uh, in the third round, I think it was. Mm. And uh, I, I was shocked by this trade just because I thought he was one of their starting corners. Um, just to make sure, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check the depth chart right now. But I'm pretty sure he was slated as one of their starters at, at the corner position. You know, now they have obviously Derek. Stingley. I guess they figure because they got Stingley now, maybe they can cut and run. But but again, I mean, you're, you're out there with. You'd rather just be elevating your secondary instead of. Just level setting it, I guess. Yeah, and to trade him away for nothing, you know. Not even a 23-7, 24-7. You're probably not even going to make that pick. <laughs> but the uh, the Texans are out here with Steven Nelson, Desmond King, Tavir Thomas, uh, Traymond Smith, Jimmy Moreland and Reggie Robinson. So, I know I froze up for on y'all's end. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, yeah. The, I don't know. Maybe they see something in some of their other corners. I mean, their top three aren't terrible. Steven Nelson, Desmond King are the other two besides Stingley. But still, I, I was I was kind of surprised about this trade here. And maybe, I don't know, I didn't uh, read up a lot on Jalen Petrie. Maybe he can play some corner if they need him to. I didn't think he had mm. that versatility, but I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, he could play the slot. Which is where Desmond King plays. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, okay. The uh, fifth-year options. We had a bunch of them. Some picked up, some declined. Uh, the ones that got picked up, the Packers picked up their two guys, uh, safety Darnell Savage and defensive end Rashawn Gary. Those two yes, guys sir. 
options picked up there. Uh, Bengals picked up offensive tackle Jonah Williams. No surprise there. Uh, Panthers did the same with defensive end Brian Burns. Again, not a shocker. Uh, the Cardinals, newly new wide receiver Marquise Brown. They picked up his fifth-year option. Makes sense. Uh, and then the last one here, the Texans picked up off the tackle Titus Howard's fifth-year option. That one, I think, was questionable, uh, but I think they've seen enough from him in the first three years. Uh, Wait, this is for what draft class again? 19? 19? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Because I was trying to think. I was like, who even would be the Jets' option tonight? Is that Quentin Williams, I think, or – Yes, they already picked it up. Yeah, that's what I thought. I just I couldn't remember what year it was and who it was for the Jets. Yeah, yeah. These are these are just options declined and picked up that are new ones that we haven't said before on the show. Uh-huh. Uh Declined options. Lot of players and some some name players here too. So the the Eagles, entire Raiders first round pick. The Eagles declined <laughs> offensive tackle Andre Dillard's fifth year. Uh, that one's not a surprise. Dillard has been a disappointment. Uh, obviously, they signed. Um, why am I forgetting who our left tackle? Mylotta. They signed Mylotta to a big deal rather than Dillard because Dillard hasn't been able to stay on the field for one. Um, and Mylotta, you know, coming out has proven himself as a, as a left tackle. Uh, yeah, like Chris said, the Raiders' entire 2019 draft class got their options declined, which this, I think the biggest shocker to most people, Josh Jacobs, no option picked up. So he will play out the rest of his deal this year, uh, which is intriguing because of who they drafted which I'll talk about when we get to the draft. Um, mm-hmm. Defensive end, Clellan Furl, and uh, safety, Jonathan Abram. I think Abram was a little bit question mark. Furl has not. We saw a guy in that same draft class that has worked out, Max Crosby, who they already paid. So. Yeah. Well, Farrell's also, like, he kind of, it's a different position, whatever, but he was in the same situation as, a guy that in this year's draft class that the Patriots got in the first round, mm-hmm. he was drafted way ahead of where he was projected to. Well, <clears> he was he fourth was, overall. I think he was still going to be I a first-round pick, but not fourth. Well, yeah, but no, I know. But they, he dra- they drafted him with their first pick, which was number four overall, when he still would have been there on the board with their third pick. I forget what number it was, but for whatever reason, they wanted to get him first. I think I think and, the uh, Cole Strange thing is more analogous to their uh, their their tackle, uh, who is now a guard. Who I'm blanking on his name, Leatherwood, Alex Leatherwood. They drafted yeah. in uh, uh, 2020, I think it was. Uh-huh. Uh, so expect next next season when we're when we're at this same spot to hear Alex Leatherwood's fifth year option being declined. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Steelers, they declined linebacker Devin Bush's fifth year. Uh, I'm not really shocked about that one. 
Bush has had some decent years. He just hasn't been the same since he tore his ACL. Uh-huh. So I'm hoping, you know, they always say that season after, you know, your first season back, it's you're still a little timid. But I think the second season after you tear an ACL is where you're really supposed to be back to your game. So I'm hoping uh-huh. that he shows that this year. Um, even though we did we did draft a linebacker in the seventh round who I had no clue who the guy was. But <laughs> even being out of Ole Miss, I still I, – I had never heard of the guy. Uh, he has a generic name, Mark Robinson, you know. <laughs> but uh, – and then the last one here, Chargers declined defensive tackle Jerry Tillery's fifth-year option as well. Chargers said he's still in their long-term plans apparently. Uh, but Tom Telesco declining his fifth year. Yeah. Uh, All right, talking? boys, I'm going to hop off. I'll, I'll see you guys Friday. Yes, sir. Do it. Uh, already talked about the DeAndre Hopkins thing. We had two uh, rare tenders being put out there today. Unrestricted free agent tenders put out on two players. Uh, Ravens linebacker Justin Houston and Chiefs linebacker Melvin Ingram. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, like I said, these aren't very common. They've been used a couple times, though, in the last couple of years, though, I think. I remember some people getting these <coughs> tenders put out there on them. Uh, so if either of these guys are signed um, before July 22nd or the first day of training camp, whichever is earlier, uh, or whichever is later, I think it said, uh if they are signed, they count toward the compensatory pick formula, which today was the day, the deadline for the comp pick formula. Uh, it was at 4 p.m. Eastern was the deadline for unrestricted free agent signings to be counted towards the comp formula for the 2023 draft picks, uh, compensatory selections. But if they're signed, they count towards the formula. If they are not signed... By July 22nd, uh, the Chiefs and Ravens, respectively, will get exclusive negotiating rights so they cannot sign with any other team but the Ravens or Chiefs there for those two players. So, yeah, rare tags used there, tender. Um, The Jags signed a big extension. (laughs) <laughs> during the draft on uh, on day three on Saturday. <laughs> they signed long snapper Ross Matisic to a five-year, $5.965 million extension, 550000 in signing bonus. Big deal for Ross. Uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> hey, I'd sign that deal every day of the week. Give me a million dollars a year to snap a ball. Bro, right? I think I'm a pretty good long snapper. I think I could do it. Uh, wow. So, before we go on to the next thing, interesting news just came out. The independent review by Mary Jo White of the... Uh, I'm trying to think how you say this name. Debevoir Law Firm. uh, Into the allegations by former Browns head coach Hugh Jackson uh, has concluded. 
And the conclusion from those investigations were that the allegations against the Browns could not be substantiated. Uh, so that's big. That's big in the Brian Flores lawsuit. Um, the Browns are found not guilty, essentially. The uh, Niners, though, back to NFL news here. The Niners got some more corner help. Uh, they re-signed corner Jason Verrett. Has not been in the spotlight too much since he went to San Francisco, but uh, has been a decent decent piece for them. Uh, and then free agency here, we got some lower-level signings. Like I said, 4 p.m. Eastern today, comp pick formula no longer matters for free agent signings. So that's why we see, uh, like I saw Rappaport say, you know, this is when the second tier of free agency is really going to heat up with some of these guys that are still out there. Uh Um, So we got some today. The Saints signed safety Tyron Matthew. This is a a bigger deal than I thought he was going to get at this point in the season, the Uh offseason. Especially from the Saints. Three years, $33 Uh, uh-huh. I was surprised, first off, that he got a multi-year deal. Uh, and second off, that he got that much money. Well, I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, from Matthew's perspective, at least, he's kind of at like the midpoint in his career. Like It's probably a downward trend from here. And so... Three years it probably isn't the end of his career, but Louisiana is where he started because that is where he went to college at LSU. He's from New Orleans. And he's from New Orleans as well, yeah. So he's coming back home here, which is probably a big reason why he wanted to sign with New Orleans. And, I mean... That's also probably why he negotiated a three-year deal because he wanted to stay there for a while. Yeah, I think that uh, <laughs> I'm not very disappointed. The Eagles were the only other team that were really in the mix for Tyre Matthew. Um, I don't think that it was ever very serious from the Eagles' standpoint. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's a good signing. I still don't know why. The Saints just they keep signing safeties, though. Like, how many safeties do you need? Oh, I don't know. But I know they got a pretty good pair of them with May and now Matthew. So Yeah, so they, they go five deep at safety right now. Tired Matthew, Marcus May, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Daniel Sorensen, who they signed from the Chiefs, and they signed Justin Evans from the Bucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And usually you only keep four. Well, maybe they're going to start using a lot more of the three safety sets. They could. Um, Yeah, and and the thing is, I can't even see a spot in their corner depth that would necessitate one of those five safeties playing corner. Because I know C.J. Gardner-Johnson can. He can play corner. That's the other thing I was thinking, too, is that he's that hybrid guy. So, But like I said, when you look at their corner depth, I don't see a spot where he would 
have to he would fit in because they they go five deep at corner too. Uh, with Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Adebo, PJ Williams, Alante Taylor, who they drafted, and Bradley Roby. Uh huh. So, yeah, I mean they're gonna have one of the, one of the best defensive backfields probably in the league. Uh huh. Pending injuries, uh, which Tyron Matthew has had a few. Well, even with injuries, they they're one of the deepest secondaries in all of football. So, yeah. Uh, I had a thought in my head, and I it just went away real quick. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't, I can't get it back. <laughs> it was something about Tyron Matthew, but I can't, I can't remember it. Uh, oh yeah, he's uh, he's turning thirty next <laughs> weekend. I think it is mm-hmm. the thir- the thirteenth. Um. So yeah, I think this deal is that might be it for for Tyron Matthew. Yeah, that's what I was saying before. Like oh. it could be three years, even though like thirty three is kind of questionable. He might want a deal after that, but it all depends on his health over the next three years and his production. Yeah, and he he has been declining. Uh-huh. Uh, you can see he's been getting a little bit slower. He's still pretty uh-huh. close, but not not like he was coming out of LSU. Um, okay, uh, a couple other signings here. The Commanders got some offensive line help, signing uh, Steelers guard Trey Turner. One year, $3 million there. Turner just continues to go on on a journey. <laughs> One-year uh-huh. one year deals everywhere. Yeah, so. well, we all know how much the Commanders need to build up that offensive line. Because of who their quarterback is now. Well, also, Brandon Sheriff gone free agency to Jacksonville. Massive hole there. Um, let's see what their line looks like. Because ESPN is so good, I expect them to have Trey Turner in there already. They do not. Oh, no, they do. They have him as a backup, though, to Wes Schweitzer at right guard. I don't know about that, but yeah, it's not terrible. Not the best, but not not that horrible. Charles Leno uh-huh. left tackle, Andrew Norwell left guard, Chase Ruye at center, uh, which I think Tyler Larson might be able to beat him out. Uh, Wes Schweitzer at right guard with Trey Turner backing him up, and then Sam Cosme at right tackle. You also have. Sadiq Charles and Cornelius Lucas at the backup tackle spots, and a guy they drafted in uh, Chris Paul. Yeah, they drafted Chris Paul. <laughs> not CP3. Not CP3. <laughs> uh, the last free agency signing here we have the Texans. We've got some pass rush help signing uh, Seahawks pass rusher Rasheem Green to a one year deal as well. Yeah, and we all already know that with the history of the show, there's going to be some big free agency news as soon as we close the show, too. So look out for, like, the uh, Julio Jones or or um, now I'm blanking on the pass rusher's name. Jadavion Clowney? 
Yes, Jadavian Clowney. Like, look out for that news tonight, everybody. Dang. Because it's going to happen. They slotted, they slotted Rasheem Green in as a starter right away on the depth chart well, on, on ESPN. Well, the Texans are not surprised. Good Lord. Yeah, but they have <laughs> other guys at the defensive end spot. They have Kingsley Kiki, Ugbania Okoronkwo, Derek Rivers, Jordan Jenkins. Jordan Jenkins is a defensive end for them? Yeah. He was a linebacker for the Jets. Don't the Jets run a 3-4? I don't even remember what they no, ran they don't. under. No, they don't. They run a 4-3 because it's Robert Sala. Yeah, yeah but he's, I think... he's 6-3, 260. Well, he was a linebacker for the Jets when he was here, so. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, the Jets used to run a 3-4 before Sala. That's why yeah. he was a linebacker. Uh-huh. But anyways, uh, some releases here. Nick Foles, they finally freed him. <laughs> the Bears released quarterback Nick Foles. Uh, nice gesture by the team, allowing him to choose where he wants to go. Um, sorry, there's sorry some, Nick, uh, you're not coming to Philly. There are some <laughs> potential landing spots for him that might want a veteran backup such as him, but not many options, I don't think. I.E. Atlanta. Atlanta, yeah. Atlanta needs a veteran backup. <clears throat> I don't think they can go into the season with just Desmond Ritter and uh, Felipe Franks. Marcus Mario. Felipe Franks behind Mariota. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Browns, they released kicker Chris uh, or Chase McLaughlin and Chris Blewett, who I didn't write down there because I didn't, I didn't want to, but I'll, I'll name him anyways because that was the other kicker they had. Um, they drafted kicker Cade York at LSU. He was the first specialist to go off the board in the fourth round. Uh, and we saw three specialists go off the board in the fourth round. Kicker, uh-huh. two punters. I know, I know one you were very uh, upset about. Yeah, but he didn't go till the sixth. <laughs> Still mad. Uh, and then the Eagles, uh, they released guard Nate Herbig today, uh, one week after he signed his restricted free agent tender. Um, so, That's just messed up. Well, they drafted guy. They drafted Cam Jurgens in the second round. I get it. So, you know, that's that's one thing that I forget who put it out on Twitter. You know. So one of the bad things about the draft, you know, we get all this influx of young talent, and then it's veteran release time the week after the draft. So, mm-hmm. Okay. It is that time now. It is time to talk about the draft. So first off, I have in my hands, uh, well, this side. This side is Logan's mock draft <coughs> that did not go very well. And this nope. is our mock draft, which went pretty well. I, I thought it went decently, uh, especially at the top of the draft. But Logan, yep. so I scored it, uh, just made up my own scoring. You get a quarter of a point if your player landed within one pick of his selection, uh, of his actual selection. You get a quarter of a point if uh, the player drafted at a spot was the right position. Uh, but the wrong team. 
or, or if, if your player was in the right position. No, no, if it was the right position played, but at the at the but the wrong team, or the wrong pick, uh, the wrong and then player. you get a co- uh, half a point if you got the right team of the player, just the wrong pick, or if you got the right player in a slot, but the wrong team, mm. uh, and then a whole point <clears throat> if you got the right team and in the right slot. So Logan got five total points. He got a half a point for Jacksonville, a half a point for Detroit. He had Hutchinson and Walker flipped. The reason he gets a half a point, both of them within one pick of each other, right slot, and they were both the right position. Uh, Both edge rushers there. Uh, He got a half a point for Evan Neal. Just uh, he had the Giants taking him at five, and they drafted him seventh. Uh, got a quarter of a point of Charles Cross, right position for the Panthers, just wrong player. Uh, Iki Ekwanu going sixth. He got uh, a quarter of the point. Um, <coughs> actually, that should be a half a point. That's why I think I screwed that up. So he should have five and a half. No, no, he no. Never mind. I'm thinking the wrong New York team. My bad. I'm seeing a G, I'm seeing a J, and it's supposed to be a G. Uh, <laughs> but he got a half a point for the Giants. Uh, or no, that's that that's one that shouldn't have been there. Never mind. That that one shouldn't have been there. Quarter of a point though for Washington. At eleven, he had Drake London going to Washington. Eleventh uh, mm-hmm. overall. Ended up being Chris Olave to the Saints. So right position there, wide receiver. Half a point for Jordan Davis to the Texans at 13. Right slot, wrong team. Eagles got him there. Um, A quarter of a point for the Saints drafting Jamison Williams at 16th. That is the pick the Commanders traded down to. They still selected the receiver, Jahan Dotson. Uh... Got a whole point his first one. He went he went 0 for 18 <laughs> on exact player team matchups. Uh, uh-huh. And he finally got one right. He got Trevor Penning to the Saints at 19th overall. Um, he got a quarter of a point for uh, Kair Elam at uh, 21 overall to the <laughs> Patriots. Uh 21 ended up being Trent McDuffie when the Chiefs traded up to get him. Uh-huh. And then he got a half a point for Tyler Linderbaum going to the Bills at 25, went to the Ravens at 25. Uh, and then he got a half a point, Lewis Seen to the Bengals, uh, right position and within <coughs> one pick, was drafted 32 by the Vikings. Uh Daxton Hill ended up being 31st, which is one that we got. I couldn't believe we hit that one that late uh-huh. in the first round. Um, uh-huh. So in terms of ours, I get, I'll, go, I'll go reverse. Or should I go same, go down? I think it's easier going down probably, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, so we hit three out of the first four. We got exactly right. Trayvon Walker to Jacksonville, Aiden Hutchinson to the Lions, and then Sauce Gardner, we got right to the Jets at four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I apologize for Evan Neal at three to the Texans. That probably screwed the whole thing up. 
That's right. Well, if you didn't go him, you probably would have gone with Thibodeau, right? I don't know. I was dead set the Texans were drafting Evan Neal. <laughs> um, and then we got a bunch of points in the top ten, too. Uh, we got ha- a quarter of a point for the Giants uh, at number five for Iki because he went number six to the Panthers. We also got a quarter of a point for the Charles Cross selection from the Panthers at six uh, because it was the right position, wrong player. Got a half a point for Kayvon Thibodeau, right player, Right team, just wrong spot. Two, two selections late. Uh, quarter of a point for the Falcons and our Garrett Wilson selection. Drake London going to the Falcons. Right position, wrong player. Um, quarter of a point for Jameson Williams to so the Jets at 10. Also, same thing, right position, wrong player. Uh, we got a half a point, same thing that Logan did for Jordan Davis at 13. Uh, Eagles coming up to get him, and but, that's that's not on us. That's not on I us. I would say Didn't... we tried to trade the Eagles into the 13 spot, so we should get the full point for that. The <laughs> system just wasn't letting us do it. <laughs> um, we got a quarter of a point for Traylon Burks to the Saints at 16. Like I said, with Logan's uh, Jahan Dotson going there, so to the Commanders' right position. Um, get a whole point, Kenny. Pickett to the Steelers at 20. God, I was so excited, man. That was awesome. Um, we got a quarter of a point for Tyler Linderbaum to the Cowboys at 24. We were just one selection off for that one. Uh, we got a half a point. This was a good one, too. We got a half one. We predicted Kyer Elam to the Bills right, just in the wrong spot. Uh, two, two positions off after they traded up to get him. Um, and like I said, we got a whole point for Daxton Hill at 31 to the Bengals. Uh-huh. Uh, eight total points for us. So wait, how many did we get 100% correct? Like right spot, right team? Five. Five? And then how many did we get right team, wrong spot? One. Just uh, Elam? Two, two. Two, Kayvon Thibodeau, Kyrie Elam. Hmm. Technically, so we got... technically three if you want to count the Jordan Davis thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, this draft, especially round one, just that was a crazy night. There was a lot of trades, <laughs> some questionable trades especially. Uh, I'm looking specifically at Minnesota and Detroit trading uh, with Detroit – ultimately moving up 20 spots to draft Jamison Williams. Um, well, the Vikings did it twice. They gave yeah, they, did they gave two receivers to, the, to their NFC North opponents when they traded yep. back with the Packers on day two. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, it was weird that the Vikings actually did that. But I was also – I was looking more at the Lions side of things on that one, though, because – 20 spots is a big jump, even though they didn't really have to give up a lot. 20, stop, 20 spots was still a big jump to go and get a receiver that's hurt and is a little bit of a question mark right now. Yeah, especially when you're not going to compete this year, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, which I did understand. Um, I, I was reading – like a, a first round 
a post first round kind of a draft grade thing. I don't recall who it, I think it might have been Mel Kuyper's draft one recap or whatever. Um, I don't know exactly, but you know, I was saying it, it made sense when you look at it by saying, okay, we're drafting this guy to compete in 23 and beyond. Uh-huh. And we're not going to draft a quarterback because there's a better class next year that yeah. we can get one. Well, we know we're not going to compete this year. And more than likely, we're going to be drafting high enough to get one of the top quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So, in yeah. that respect, it made sense to, to get Jamison Williams. Yeah. Um, but speaking of the quarterback class, too, that was another position. Like, I know it wasn't the greatest quarterback class. Obviously, only Pickett going in the first round. But I also didn't expect the quarterback class as a whole to slide as much as they did. Like Howell went all the way in the fifth round to Washington when he was being picked in pretty much every single one of our mock drafts that we did. Yeah. And the fact that uh, some other guys got drafted before, um, as you saw, Bailey Zappi went before Sam Howell. Uh, There was another one too, I thought. Yeah, I oh, it was interesting who, but... that Desmond Ritter went before Malik Willis. Uh huh. Um, and but... one guy that I'm surprised didn't get drafted at all was a guy that I was talking about all weekend. Carson Strong went undrafted, which I don't believe he's been picked up yet. If yes, he, has, he has, I didn't see it. Yes, he has. Oh, he did. Yes, he has. To a to a fantastic team that has a, the greatest GM in the NFL. Um, he's now a Philadelphia. Oh, he's, he's a Philadelphia Eagle. Okay. <laughs> maybe maybe he's the future of the franchise there. But uh, so, yeah, there were injury concerns with Carson Strong, knee issues to be exact. Obviously, he but can still, sling it. But still, though, I think I'd rather have him or take a chance on him. Like the Forty ers they had <laughs> the Mister Irrelevant pick. I think I would have rather gone with Carson Strong. Mr. Purdy. That's just that's just my opinion, but Brock Purdy's living it up in Disney right now. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, so let's go through the draft here. Um I feel like I'll take too much time, but I I circled a bunch of I have li- I literally printed out the entire draft. It's 14 pages long. Um double spaced. But yeah, I circled a, a lot of guys that I liked, either actually that I liked or that were questionable. Starting off, um, Panthers, Iki Aquano at six. Awesome. Uh, that made me happy that the Giants drafted Thibodeau at five. Panthers had all the tackles available. Uh, I was very excited they did not go after a quarterback. Um because like we were mentioning, Matt Rule's on a on thin ice right now and, and you have to get players that are gonna help you now. Uh, you can't afford to have a horrible season. You have to show improvement and, and build the roster um, you know, around 
Sam Darnold, or a guy that they got in the third round. Matt Corral, I was excited, mm-hmm. very excited about that trade up um, to to end his slide. Um, mm-hmm. Which he was actually, uh, he was probably tied with Desmond Ritter for my second favorite quarterback. I just wasn't that high on Malik Willis. Um, uh-huh. Had some traits, but I like, I like more sure things. Uh, Desmond Ritter had great leadership ability at Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Just had some accurate accuracy issues. The only issue really was with Matt Corral. Actually, there's two issues with Matt Corral. Um, one was the simplicity of the playbook, I think, at Ole Miss. I don't think it was that complicated. Mm-hmm. And two, injuries. Uh, he's been dinged up a little bit. But he's tough. He's he's one. He's probably the toughest quarterback in the draft class. Um, yeah. There was also stuff out there saying why he was falling because of some off-the-field stuff. Um, but I don't know how much of that is true or not. So, mm-hmm. um, Next guy, I didn't circle him, but you probably want to talk about him. Your first-round receiver, Mr. Wilson. Wilson to Wilson connection. Yeah, yeah I mean, <clears throat> when I was uh, – when I initially heard the pick, I was so-so about it because – well, had I known what was going to happen later on in the night, I wouldn't have been upset about the pick. <laughs> but I wanted Johnson there at number 10. Jermaine Johnson at number 10. Like, I was full on. I wanted defense with both picks. Wide receiver, like, I thought was good enough and they could have added a veteran. But I I love the pick of Garrett Wilson. Obviously, Drake London had already gone off the board, which – a lot of people, including us, were surprised about because we had Wilson going to the Falcons at number eight in our mock. But Drake, Drake knew though. Drake, the rapper, knew he had a hundred grand that Drake London would be the first receiver drafted, and he friggin' won a hundred thirty grand because of that. Of course, but yeah, I mean, I looking back on the weekend now after I been able to soak it all in and decompress i i'm glad that the falcons ended up taking drake london and that garrett wilson fell to us i'm not a big drake london fan and i believe that if it was the other way around if wilson did go to the falcons i think the jets would have gone for drake london and so a lot of people are saying the jets won the draft and i'm trying to be as unbiased as possible and i i kind of agree with it they killed the first round but yeah and hopefully they can develop wilson well both wilson's i should say but yeah i think garrett wilson will definitely be able to help out zach wilson and his development yeah i think especially the after the first round uh jets were clear winners uh, the next guy I am going to mention, Eagles defensive tackle Jordan Davis. Um, it was a great uh, trade. Great trade trade up by Howie Roseman, moving two picks. Uh, he traded three day, day three picks uh, to move up two spots. So I think that was a good trade for him. 
not mm-hmm. having to give up significant capital uh, or future capital to move up and to move up ahead of a team that everyone thought was going after Jordan Davis in the Ravens at 14. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I, I was very happy about that selection. We'll, we're going to need him. Fletcher Cox this is probably his last year. So, yeah. Obviously, we'll never know, but just speaking of the Ravens, like, had a different player gone at number 13 overall, I wonder if they would have gone for Jordan Davis or if they would have stuck with Kyle Hamilton because both of those guys right there are surprised. Not, maybe not Jordan Davis so much, but it was a surprise that Hamilton was still there at number 14. I think they would have still selected Jordan Davis. I think they would have went after Jordan Davis with that one and then traded back up to get Kyle Hamilton if he kept falling, which I'm not so sure he would have passed even the Eagles if they would have stayed at 15 because they needed needed safety help too. Um, So I'm not so sure he would have even gotten after – farther than 15 if the Ravens would have drafted Jordan Davis. Uh, But, yeah, the Ravens' Kyle Hamilton, uh, to go along with Tyler Linderbaum, too, I thought, I mean, they were all awesome selections. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, again, I didn't didn't necessarily like the pick in terms of fit for the Ravens. Uh I think they have good safeties already. I think they needed corner help, not safety help. I think maybe maybe Kyle Hamilton could play a little bit of both, uh, but I just didn't see the fit and and the need. But yeah. you know, uh, Eric DaCosta from that Aussie Newsome scout, uh, scouting track—that's what the Ravens do. Best available player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not always about this year, like. I don't know what the Ravens... Well, they just signed Marcus Williams mm-hmm. to a long-term deal. And I can't think of what their other safety situation is. Chuck Clark. Yeah. I'm saying, though, I don't know what his contract is or whatever else. Never um, so this was definitely more of a long-term solution rather than a pick for this year immediate impact. Not saying Hamilton won't have an immediate impact on the Ravens, because I think he will. But, uh, yeah, the Ravens are another team that just seemed to kill the whole weekend. Yeah, and uh, I forgot to say this when we were talking about the A.J. Brown trade. But, uh, yeah, the uh, the crazy wide receiver offseason, you know, A.J. Brown's an eagle, Marquise Brown. The Cardinal, Tyree Kill, the Dolphin, Devontae Adams, a Raider, Allen Robinson's a Ram, Amari Cooper's a Brown now, so that was just a yeah. random tweet I had. Um, and also, another wide receiver didn't get traded. Debo, still out there. Um, apparently, the Jets offered the number 10 pick and a fifth rounder. That's it. Jets were yeah. lowballing the Niners. <laughs> I had heard that there was a deal in place for the number 10 pick, but it was basically on hold until the Jets were on the clock at 10 
and it depended on who was on the board. And clearly the Jets liked Garrett Wilson more than they would have Debo Samuel. Oh, I forgot the other side to say the other side. So it was the number 10 and a <laughs> fifth. <laughs> this was the funny part, I think. For Debo and a second. <laughs> Joe Douglas asking a lot. <laughs> I mean, Joe Douglas has been known to fleece some teams in trades, i.e. the Seahawks. But, yeah, that's an extreme trade even for him. John Lynch hung up the phone real quick. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like I said, that that's what I had heard, though, is that there was a deal in place. I don't know if there was other uh, – there probably was other pieces involved, but the two main pieces, obviously, were Debo and the number 10 pick. But then once the Jets were on the clock, they liked what they saw, and they went with Garrett Wilson. Okay, next guy I have circled. Commanders at 16, Jahan Dotson, wide receiver. reason I have him circled is I, I, that was really early for Jahan Dotson. Uh-huh. I didn't have uh-huh. him go until late first, maybe not even in the first. Yeah. So that's the only reason I had him circled. Yeah, he uh... – I was kind of shocked when that happened, too. And it's funny because my boss is a Washington fan. And prior to the draft, he was saying how he hoped that Hamilton fell to them. Well, he did. And they chose to trade back instead of selecting him. Yeah. And then they went with, like you said, a possible second-round talent in Jahan Dotson. And, I mean, yes, wide receiver is another position that a lot of people had them – picking but it was one of the top tier guys not Jahan Dotson I want to know where is their size going to come from at wide receiver because Jahan Dotson's only 5'9 Terry McLaurin's not much bigger I think Terry McLaurin's 6 foot flat I think so yeah and Curtis Samuel's 5'10 I think uh-huh. So they have no size at the wide receiver position anyways. Uh they saw they signed Ricky Seals Jones or is that the Giants? Oh. I think they have si- a little bit of size at the tight end position. They still have Logan Thomas obviously. I think Logan Thomas 63, 64. Um but I, I mean, they just don't have a big guy outside that can go up and get it. Uh, in terms of starting wide receivers. Now, they have some guys that are bigger uh, that are like fourth, fifth, sixth wide receivers. But that is the question mark that I have with the commander's wide receivers. <laughs> Anyways. Uh-huh. Uh, the next guy I have, Saints at 19, Trevor Penning. Uh, excellent selection by the Saints. They waited on him at 19 uh, and got the exact guy they needed, the last first-round tackle um, in terms of, like, most people had him going in the first round. I think everyone yeah. had him in the first round. Uh, obviously, Tyler Smith went later to Dallas, um, the last tackle taken in the first round. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that was a perfect, perfect pick for um, Mickey Loomis. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't as high on it 
obviously in our mock draft, I had the chance to draft him, and I didn't. Um, but I just I hope that he ends up panning out and working out. But I just feel like he's too too much of a project to kind of just shove in there right away. Yeah, I was just checking on some of these, <laughs> the Washington receiver heights. So yeah. McLaurin's six foot. You got Curtis Samuel. I shortchanged Jahan Dotson. I apologize. Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson are both 5'11. Uh, Brown is uh, six foot. You got Dax Milne, who is also six foot. Your, your biggest guy in your top six right now is. Cam Sims, who's 6'5". Then you got Antonio Gandy-Golden at 6'4". Kelvin Harmon's a big boy, too. 6'2". And we don't have to talk about the other guys. But, yeah, I mean, going back to that, you know, that's – I think it's a question mark for Washington. Yeah, I shortchanged Logan Thomas, too. <laughs> He's 6'6". Cole Turner, who they drafted, 6'6", as well. And they got John Bates, who they drafted last year, 6'6". All three tight ends, (laughs) 6'6". So, Cole Turner's a guy that's intriguing, though. I think they can can put him outside if they need to. Uh, Actually, no, they did did draft him, I think, right? Yeah, fifth round. I I couldn't remember if they drafted him or they picked him up undrafted. Uh, Next guy has to be. Kenny Pickett, I mean, come on. The Steelers did exactly what the Patriots did last year with Mac Jones. They waited. They didn't panic. They saw, I think especially they knew, once the Panthers didn't draft the quarterback and the receiver run was on Uh in the early teens, there weren't any other teams that were there that were going to draft the quarterback. And I said uh, on on draft night when we were live, I was I was telling Schneck I was like, bro, if we have come all this way to get nineteen picks in, and he goes to the Saints at nineteen, I would have just I would have been heartbroken and devastated. Uh, <laughs> so to get him all the way at twenty to wait it out, I think was a marvelous move. Uh, Kevin Colbert has now set up the Steelers uh, for him to walk away and leaving the Steelers in a good situation at mm-hmm. uh, the most important position. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of going back to your point about the Patriots from last year, the only main difference with the Patriots last year and the Steelers this year is Mac Jones was the – third or fourth quarterback off the board. Mm-hmm. And the Steelers here, they had their pick of the bunch. Pickett was the first one the first one off the board. So, um, I mean, it's very rare that you get that you see that happen, especially at the quarterback position. So, the Steelers, obviously that was a pick that everybody expected. Just a lot of people thought that they were going to have to trade up for it. 
the Steelers, though, they've been one of the best drafting teams in NFL history. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, like, I saw this video the other day, and it was some guy just counting down, like, the, the worst Steelers draft picks in NFL history or whatever. Or the worst Steelers first round draft picks, I should say. Mm-hmm. And I guess he was doing multiple videos because there was only one pick on the video, and it was the number five pick. And it was Rashard Mendenhall was the fifth worst first round draft pick of the Steelers in NFL history. <laughs> and Mendenhall was a pretty good running back for the Steelers. Yeah. So that just shows right there how good the Steelers have been. Yeah. And yeah. Especially... So Kenny Pickett, it'll be interesting to see because I think Kenny Pickett is the only rookie quarterback, at least right now. Maybe Matt Corral kind of puts himself in the conversation a little bit, but I think Kenny Pickett's the only rookie quarterback right now that has a shot at starting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I don't even know why they did that that poll. Uh, I like I said, I couldn't watch the NFL Network broadcast, which I love to do. I love the NFL Network broadcast, but I I didn't have NFL Network on cable this year, and I you know me, I hate streaming. Um, especially the NFL app on, on my Roku just kicks me off sometimes a lot. So, uh, I was watching the ESPN broadcast all, all weekend and they had a poll after, uh, I think it was after Matt Corral was drafted and they put it up on the screen. It was, uh, you know, who, who do you think is gonna, is gonna, I think it was make the most impact as a rookie. It's like uh, obviously Kenny Pickett's gonna win, and it was like fifty-one percent voted for Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Like you know, Desmond Ritter has almost zero shot at playing this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, same the same thing for Malik Willis, Matt Corral, mm-hmm. and Kenny Pickett are really like you said the only two. Uh, and Kenny Pickett, obviously, Kenny Pickett's gonna get a chance in training camp to beat Mitch Trubisky out. Uh huh. So, I'm excited to watch that, and I'm not I'm not even worried if if Mitch Trubisky starts Week One. So, uh, next guy, the steal of the first round, your Jets, 26th overall, trading back up to get the falling Jermaine Johnson. It, it was just I I was in disbelief when I saw him still there at 26. And when they traded up to 26, before they announced the pick, I was like, in my head, I was like, there's no way that it's <laughs> not Johnson because the jets were linked to Johnson so much. And I just, I don't understand why he fell as far as he did. Yeah. There were, uh, off the field concerns, I think was one of the reasons. But, yeah, but I saw that, but it wasn't, like, big off-the-field concerns, though. It was, like, something minor. I forget what it was. Yeah, and I think there were question marks about why he transferred from Georgia um, to Florida State, and uh, that was a part of it. I don't – I think 
some teams didn't like how his interviews went. Um, so I think those were kind of the main concerns. But uh, what, what did they give up for him again? Uh, was it a... The 35th pick and like the 69th pick or whatever. Okay. Because I, or no, wait, no, that might have been, the 69th pick I think was in the Brees Hall trade. Because I know, I know after the Brees Hall trade, they didn't have a pick for like, yeah, they traded up to 30, they traded to like 36 or whatever for Brees Hall, and then they didn't have another pick till pick like 101. Yeah, so they, they got uh, 26 and 101 from the Titans for 35, 69, and 163. Uh-huh. So pretty solid. Yeah, so, I mean, to come away with three top ten talents in that draft, it was just crazy. Plus, like I said, they added Brees Hall there in the early second round. Yeah, he's a guy I had but, uh, circled too. Uh, yeah, as the first running so we'll back. Get to him. But um, yeah, Daniel Jeremiah <laughs> said that the Jets got three of his top nine on his big board, uh-huh. which was crazy. Uh, okay, last guy I dra- I circled in the first round, uh, Patriots. We already kind of talked about this, but Chattanooga guard Cole Strange at twenty nine overall. We all had him in the third round. I was praying. Uh-huh. I was praying that the Panthers or Steelers were going to get him in the third round. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, <laughs> Sean McVay said something like that, too, that he was hoping that he was going to be there at the Rams' first pick at 104 overall. Yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I, I saw the video, and literally he was laughing at, like, I don't know if it was their press conference or whatever, but he was laughing, and he literally said, "We wasted our time looking at this guy because our first pick isn't until pick one oh seven or whatever it was. One oh four. He's like, <laughs> yeah, one oh four. He's like, we wasted our time looking at this guy because we thought that we had a good shot at getting him here at one oh four. But there he goes at number twenty nine. Yeah, I mean that was just <clears throat> absolutely crazy, and again." It's hard to question Bill Belichick. It really is. But some of the picks he made in this draft were very questionable overdrafting guys. Um, mm-hmm. He did it again in the second round, which we'll talk about that guy as well. Um, but, well, yeah, that was... He, he definitely was the closest GM to uh, to the movie draft day. Because uh, he was kind of he kind of had the Vontae Mack no matter what mentality there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. And even the thing is, he even traded back. He traded back eight spots, and they still drafted him. <laughs> uh, okay, next guy, second round, Packers. They finally get Aaron Rodgers a weapon. They traded up with the Vikings to thirty-four. Uh, Notre Dame or North Dakota State. Wide receiver Christian Watson. I loved the pick. I, uh, my Packers, mm-hmm. one of my Packers friends, uh, he was he texted me and asked me about Christian Watson. I was like, bro, you're getting a guy that 
is a potential number one wide receiver. I mean, he's big. He's 6'3", 6'4". Fast. I think he runs a 4'4". And uh, Aaron Rodgers is going gonna, is gonna to get a good target in Christian Watson. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> the crazy part about Watson, too, is, for one, a lot of people had him going to the Packers with that 29 or 28 overall right. pick. And he slid into the second round, and the Packers were still able to get him. But it's just weird the way things work because they could have had him in the first round. But like I said, they got him in the second round, which has been kind of the gold mine for them in the second <laughs> round for wide receivers. That's where they got Devontae Adams. That's where they got Randall Cobb. That's where they got Jordy Nelson. Yep. That's And I think Donald Driver, too, might have been a second-round pick. Yeah. So they've had, especially recently, a string of really solid second-round wide receivers come out of Green Bay. Yeah. I, and I thought... Watson might be another name on that list. Definitely, and it's funny because he doesn't even have to—he doesn't have to get new clothes. He's going. Nope. <laughs> he's going from from green and gold to green and gold. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of like Kenny Pickett. He's going from blue and gold to to black and gold. Uh, Pickett yeah. really doesn't have to move because he's he played at Heinz Field in college anyway. So. Yeah, everyone kept mentioning he 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 he's got to remember on the first day of of rookie minicamp to to not go right. To go left to the Steelers side of the building. <laughs> but don't go to the right, Kenny. Don't go to the pit side anymore. <laughs> um, next guy, like I said, we're going to talk about Brees Hall. First running back off the board to your Jets at 36 overall. They traded back up uh, to get him. Yeah. This this was another pick I was kind of so-so about. Obviously, everybody said Brees Hall is the best running back in the draft, and I do agree. However, there has been that stigma about running backs Mm -hmm. and how there's really no value at the position anymore. And a lot of people I've seen have kind of criticized the Jets for trading up, even if it wasn't for that much compensation. But, uh... Yeah, fifth round. I mean... Yeah, when I had when I had uh, originally seen them trade up, I was hoping that it was going to be for one of those linebackers. Obviously, I mean, you know how high I am, and I know you are too, because your team ended up drafting him. But I wanted Nicobe Dean, <laughs> and I never in a million years expected him to slide all the way to eighty three. Um. Yeah, I wanted him there at, what was that, 36, 38, something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, Brees Hall, uh, you know, we, we knew the Jets were going to draft a draft running back. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I wanted, not saying that I'm against the pick of Brees Hall, because like I said, I think he was the best running back in the draft. And he's going to complement Michael Carter very well. I think the two of them are going to be a very solid two-headed monster in the backfield for the Jets. But I would have probably rather – I mean, granted, they used most of their weight picks to do the trades up with – or for Johnson and for Brees Hall. But I would have rather them 
possibly kept their like fourth or fifth round pick and maybe gone after Wilson's former teammate with Tyler Algier. Yeah. That's just another avenue I could have seen them taking that maybe that they could have gotten Algier and they could have gone with a different position here at 38 or whatever their original pick was there. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about the player comparisons for those two guys specifically, I think, you know, what Brees Hall gives you is is more of a dual-purpose back where he had, I think it was uh, 52 receptions in college. So, you know, he's, he's good out of the backfield too. I think he's sneaky good in the backfield because really when I think about Brees Hall, I don't think about him being a pass catcher much. Um I think I think that's what's going to change in the role of Michael Carter coming up. You're going to see Michael Carter be more of the pass catcher and Brees Hall the pounder, um, because I think that's just how it, it would suit them better. In that uh, uh-huh. Mike McDaniel, or not Mike McDaniel, Lafleur, Mike Lafleur, yeah, Mike McDaniel's Dolphins head coach. Uh, <laughs> he was a he was a nine or two, just like all like just like Salah and all of them. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah. Anyways, uh, next guy I have Seahawks, forty first overall running back Kenneth Walker. Okay. I have him circle because it's questionable. I was like, bro, what are the Seahawks doing? They have Chris Carson and Rashad Penny already. Uh-huh. Now I understand. Neither has been, like, a superstar. Carson with injuries, Penny with injuries. But Chris Carson, when he's been on the field, despite his fumbling issues, which I think Pete Carroll gets pissed off at a lot, but despite that, Chris Carson has been an effective back. When you think about, they drafted him in the seventh round. Uh, And Rashad Penny has been a severe bust until you look at his last five games of the season where he ran for 600-plus yards in five games. So the Kenneth Walker selection, I thought, was weird for the Seahawks, especially in the second round. Like you, I yeah. thought if they were going to draft one, do it in on day three because mm-hmm. you need so many more positions uh, yep. of need than running back at this point. Yeah, that that's where I was going to go with this too is that the Seahawks are one of the main rebuilding teams at this point like there's them there's the Falcons and then there's the Texans and Lions I think are like the main group of rebuilding teams still Mm -hmm. Um, so to get a guy like Kenneth Walker especially so early was very questionable like and like you said they needed so many other positions um again i guess they they uh believe in drew lock at least for this year or they're banking on getting a better quarterback next year because they didn't really prioritize that too much yeah yeah they, they they were one of the teams that didn't draft quarterback like the lions uh who we thought both were going to get one in this draft some point but uh neither neither one drafted a quarterback uh, gonna wait till next year. I think the Lions obviously did a lot better job of building their team around golf this year and whatever, whatever quarterback they get next year. I don't I don't know if the Seahawks can say the same. 
Uh, next guy, two picks later, 43rd overall. This is another questionable pick uh, just because of how high he went. Giants selected Kentucky wide receiver Wandale Robinson. There were a lot of other guys on the board still uh, that had higher grades by many other people. Um, when you look at the guys who went later, we'll talk about George Pickens. Uh, but he went nine selections later. You had Alec Pierce was still on the board who went to the Colts at 53. Sky Moore went to the Chiefs at 54. Um, I think those were the main guys that were still there when you think about the second tier of receivers. Um, and I just uh, – I, I didn't – Jalen Tolbert went in the third round, but I think I included him with the second tier of guys. But, yeah, it was – it was a bit of a reach, I think, for the Giants at uh, 43 for Robinson there. Uh, the next guy I had circled here, 45th overall. The Ravens got a steal. Michigan defensive end or edge rusher David Ojabo. Uh, I mean, coming off the torn Achilles and uh, during training for the draft, not going to play most of the year. Might be able to help them if they can get to the playoffs. Um, but, I mean, that's the first-round talent getting in the uh, mid-second round. I don't know if you had anything on uh, Robinson. I know you stepped away there when we were talking about him. Yeah, sorry. Um well, yeah, the Wandale Robinson thing, I mean, you already kind of mentioned it all. Like, they had a lot of other options on the board. Um, and that that pick to me was, I want to say, almost worse than the than the uh, than Washington going with Jahan Dotson in the first round. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that Wandale Robinson was definitely – towards the bottom of that second tier of wide receivers or even third tier. I think he was in the third. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to, to pick him over guys like Sky Moore and George Pickens was insane to me, but at the same time, the giants have not been the best at drafting wide receivers over the last two years. Like, the last time they hit a wide receiver, I think, was Odell, and that was, like, a decade ago at this point. Yeah, it's funny because they're kind of like Washington in the fact that they don't have many tall receivers. Kenny Galladay, obviously, big big boy, but, uh, you know, Darius Slayton, 6'1". But Shepard, Tony, and Robinson, all six foot and under. Uh, and it's also weird that they drafted Robinson, who's going to be a slot. I think he can play outside. I think he can, but uh, I think he's more of a slot where he's quick off the line and can go in any direction. Mm-hmm. When they already have guys like Sterling Shepard and Kadarius Tony. So. Yeah, the Giants don't. I mean, they had a good first round, but after that, I just I don't know. They had a weird draft, um, but yeah. The other guy that you mentioned, though, while I was away, Ojabo, he was obviously a first-round talent, many projecting him. I I don't even know where. I know it was 
probably in the mid, maybe even early first round in some mock drafts. But if uh, if he does come back from that Achilles injury and doesn't have any future issues with it, the Ravens got a steal. Yeah. Uh, next one I have is 50th overall, another questionable receiver. I don't know if we have to spend too much time because we already kind of said the reasoning for Robinson with the Giants. But Tyquan Thornton to the Patriots, uh, I know there were rumors of teams having him, having grades on him that were higher than people expected uh, because I did think that he was going to go in maybe not the second round, but the third round because he's a speedster, 42840. Um and it's just drafting for that trade, essentially. Yeah, I mean, in that scenario, I when I saw that pop up on my screen, it didn't really phase me because it was the Patriots who had already made a questionable call on day one <laughs> with Cole Strange. So I was just like, okay, like Belichick is just losing his mind. And me as a Jets fan, I was happy to not see like George Pickens or Sky Moore on that spot. Because I was expecting one of them to pop up. But when neither one of those guys was in that spot, I was like, okay, that's fine by me. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, the Patriots definitely needed a uh, wide receiver when you look at who they have now. Uh-huh. You know, Parker, Kendrick Bourne, uh, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, and Tyquan Thornton, Nikhil Harry still there. Uh, I don't know. Why are they listing Ty Montgomery as a wide receiver? He hasn't been a wide receiver for five years. <laughs> or however long. I don't know. He's hardly played on offense in general in five years. True. <laughs> but, yeah, he's a running back. Well, no, he wasn't he a wide receiver that then he transitioned to running back? Yeah, and the league gave him an exception to still wear 88. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, next, but, uh, next one yeah. I have here is another two picks later. Another receiver. Steelers wide receiver, uh, George Pickens. Absolutely loved it, man. I mean, the first two days for my three teams, I was ecstatic about how it went. Um, I wasn't too too excited about the, the center Cam Jurgens to the Eagles in the second round, but I, I liked why they did that. Um, but now, I mean, I was saying this – on uh, I think night one or maybe I was talking to someone while I was driving for Uber this weekend but when you look at the Steelers offense they are set up if they just get some offensive linemen and improve that I mean this offense is set up for the next five years at least you have Kenny Pickett at quarterback Najee Harris at running back Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens are your top three receivers. And then you have Pat Fryermuth at tight end. Mm-hmm. I mean, the skill positions are loaded for Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, boy, so is Pickens the number three right now? Yes. Okay. Because, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the Pittsburgh receiving core as a whole. Yeah. I mean, there's there's some issues when you look at depth, um, but as far as starters go, yeah, um, I just 
I know that Deontay Johnson's the number one. I just don't really believe in him as a number one. I think Pickens eventually could overtake that role, but obviously not this year. But yeah, I think that the Pickett to Pickens connection is going to be very special down the road. Yeah, and and uh, I think it sets up well because you're going to see Chase Claypool and George Pickens outside with Deontay Johnson in the slot where I think he's more comfortable. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't because I think he had to play more outside this past season and it, it wasn't really his style of play. He's a lot better in the slot. And I think that's good. Um, I think that was a big reason of why they they didn't try to re-sign Juju again to another one-year deal because yeah. Juju plays in the slot, and I think that's where Johnson is more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, uh, I mean, I think the jury's still out on Claypool, too, because he yeah. did kind of take a step back in year two. Because, um, I, I mean, you're the Pittsburgh fan. You watched all the Steelers games, so you know better than I do, but I feel like they didn't use him in, like, the trick plays as much as they did in his rookie year, so. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next one, uh, three picks later here, 55th overall, Cardinals took the first tight end of the draft, which, again, I thought was weird. They have Zach uh-huh. Ertz. Uh, but they give Kyler Murray another weapon. Trey McBride, Colorado State to Arizona. I mean, yeah, it, it was it was just in, weird with Zach Ertz. Yeah, it was a it was a weird pick, especially since they also have Max Williams too still. And they needed other um, stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, McBride. Again, this might might have had some indication with the whole DeAndre Hopkins thing, even though it's not the same position, but they're down a player, so maybe they go more two tight end sets or something and yeah, I think have McBride and Ertz out there at the same time or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think for one, uh, they gave they wanted to keep Kyler Murray happy. That's why they drafted a, a, a skill well, position. Well, that's it, yeah. And for two... I think that Cliff Kingsbury is going to run the ball more this season. You're going to see, mm-hmm. you're going to see a James Conner run the ball more, and they drafted a running back too. I think, right? I believe so. Let's look at their depth chart here. I feel like I'm I'm relying on depth charts way too much. Um, oh yeah, they drafted Keontae Ingram on day three. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one here, three another three picks later. Uh, Montana State linebacker Troy Anderson to the Falcons. He's my boy. You know, I love Troy Anderson pre-draft. Uh, mm-hmm. Going to a spot where he's going to have a great opportunity to start right away um, mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Um, on a defense that looks a lot better now um, after the draft. You know, they got... Uh, they have Anderson slated as a backup right now. Um, Deion Jones, Rashawn Evans, Lorenzo Carter. For some godforsaken reason, they have D'Angelo. Why? Why do you have D'Angelo Malone slated as the backup 
Sam linebacker in a 4-3. D'Angelo oh. Malone is by no chance playing off-ball linebacker. <laughs> At uh, 6-4, he, actually, he's the, he's the right size for a linebacker. 6-4, 240. But <coughs> there is no way. Oh, wait, no. Never mind. That makes sense. Nope, never mind. I forgot. The Falcons are on a 3-4. My bad. For some reason, I was only seeing three linebackers and not four. Never mind. That makes sense. But, yeah, Troy Anderson back up to Rashawn Evans right now anyways. Uh, Could push, I think. If not, he'll start next year. Uh, Because I think Evans is only on a one-year deal. So, but, yeah. I was disappointed that one of my teams didn't get him, but your team's got enough of your players, though. Huh? I said your team's got enough of the players that you like, though. Sir. Yeah. Uh, another three picks later here. Questionable pick. So the Niners' first selection came at sixty-first overall. USC edge rusher Drake Jackson. It was sort of my thinking with the Seahawks. I was like, bro, why? why? You have a million defensive ends in San Francisco already. Why are you drafting another one? Well, yeah, I don't know. John Lynch has been very unconventional with his drafting. So, but, I mean, it's worked so far, so I can't question it too much. Has it been? But, yeah. Has it worked? How many Super Bowls have the Niners won? Zero. But they they made it a lot further last year than people expected. And the year before, I don't like using injuries as an excuse, but was that? Yeah, that was two years ago when they all went down with an injury. So that's not entirely his fault. You can't really control that. Um, But, yeah, I think he's done a decent job. But, yeah, that was a questionable decision to draft a defensive end. Uh, when you don't have that many draft picks in this draft as it is. Yeah, especially, I think, they needed linebacker help. They needed corner help, big time. Uh, And wide receiver help, too. But, you know, now... And and the the thing is, is they signed... They re-signed Jordan Willis... And they signed Kerry Hyder and Kamoko Ture in free agency. So, I don't, I don't know. That one was just questionable, especially because it was their first pick of the draft. Uh, two picks later, 63rd overall, Bills get their running back, James Cook, um, to Buffalo. Will be a dynamic piece for Sean McDermott. And uh, I don't remember who their new offensive coordinator is, but uh, uh, isn't it Ken, Ken Dorsey? It might be, yeah. He got uh, promoted from quarterback. Yeah, when that selection happened, I remember watching it, and they cut to the feet of him at his house with his brother Dalvin, the running back <laughs> for the Vikings, and the rest of his family. He didn't look too happy about being selected by Buffalo. <laughs> I don't know why he wouldn't be happy about it, because Buffalo is one of the best 
teams in the entire league, for one. Yeah. Especially on offense. And he has a solid chance of being a premier piece of that offense. So, I don't know. It was just weird to cut to that reaction. He really had no expression on his face whatsoever. Yeah, I think part of it was he's like, crap, I got to go play in the cold now. I was playing at, playing at Georgia in the heat all my entire career. Uh, and also, he's going to a pretty loaded backfield when you look at it. They they are four deep right now at running back with Singletary himself, uh, Moss, and Duke Johnson as well. Um, so I, I mean, a lot of the experts, though, after the selection were saying that Moss is essentially the odd man out in this situation now. Oh, for sure, yeah. Which is um, weird. It's weird because he was, you know, his second round draft pick two years ago. Uh, but I really didn't want the Bills to draft the running back. You know me. I love Devin Singletary. He was outstanding for them down the stretch. Um, his last seven games were, were very good. But um, Bills wanted more. Bills wanted more, so... All right, to the third round. I know, this is taking a lot of time. But... I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I love it. Uh, the Seahawks. Now, see, this pick I loved from the Seahawks. They got Charles Cross at 9, and they get their right tackle here at 72. Uh, offensive tackle Abraham Lucas out of Washington State. Uh, I thought they got two bookends in one draft. Uh, which will help protect Drew Locke or Geno Smith or whoever uh, this season. So I thought they did great getting both of those tackles, and especially Lucas yeah. here at 72. Yeah, that was a, it was good of them to do that. It's just crazy that it took them until the post-Russell Wilson era to do this. <laughs> that was one of the main problems with the Seahawks dur- during Russell Wilson's tenure there. Yeah. So just the fact that they do it literally the season he left to I mean I don't think Drew Locke Drew Locke is definitely not as mobile as Russell Wilson was so maybe that plays a little bit of a factor in it too like because Wilson did run himself into some of those sacks Mm -hmm. because he is so mobile but still that offensive line in general was still really bad so, I don't know. Maybe with a good offensive line, Drew Locke actually might look decent in that offense. Who knows? But, yeah, that was a good pick by them. Uh, two picks later here. We got, like, four picks and six. I have I have four circled and six picks right here. It's a good good section of the draft in the third round. Uh, after the third round, though, there's not as many players circled. Uh, Falcons, they go get their quarterback, Desmond Ritter. Uh, kind of talked about him already. Not going to play much this year unless – that's the thing, though. He he could. We've seen Mariota have injury issues before, both in Tennessee and in Vegas. Uh, soft, yeah, but it, – It's been soft is tissue he, issues, too. Is he, good, is he currently the backup, though, or is that Franks? I would think he'd be the backup. I don't think Felipe Franks is going to give Ritter anything in, in camp. Yeah, but I'm just – just right now, though, I'm just thinking, like, I if I were the Falcons, at least, 
I wouldn't want Ritter seeing the field at all this year. So I would sacrifice, unless it was maybe towards the end of the season for a little bit of NFL experience, whatever. But I would not want him being the starter at all this season. I'd rather throw Franks in the fire and let him kind of take the snaps and take the hits and just let Ritter learn from the sideline. I'm on the opposite end. I I think that Desmond Ritter was the second most ready quarterback, and I think he was the only other quarterback that would be ready enough to play this season. Uh, because of how many year, how much experience he had at Cincinnati, uh, I think he was a three-year starter, uh, maybe even four. And I think he's one of the smarter quarterbacks of the draft class, too. So I wouldn't have an issue with him playing this year um, if he has to. Like I said, Mariota has had injuries before, and they have been the soft tissue type of injuries where it's a hamstring or a quad, you know. So I would not be surprised if Desmond Ritter plays this season. Uh, two picks later, 76th overall, Ravens, again, killing the draft. They were one of the best teams that of the draft this year. Uh-huh. Travis Jones, nose tackle out of UConn. I, I liked him in the second round. I liked him. I was talking to Schneck when we were talking about, because his Bucks didn't make a pick on night one because they traded back with the Jags uh-huh. to 33rd. And I was like, I was talking to him about what the Bucks could possibly do at 33, and I was like, bro, Travis Jones. Travis Jones at 33 would have been perfect. They haven't re-signed Dominican Sue yet. They needed a defensive tackle to slide in beside Vita Vea and to pair with him and William Golston on the interior three. I thought Travis Jones would have been perfect there. But the Ravens didn't get Jordan Davis in round one, but they get probably, I would say, the best probably the best nose tackle of the draft uh Mm -hmm. outside you know jordan davis is going to play defensive tackle uh defensive tackle with the eagles not nose because they run a four three but yeah i i travis jones is a great pick by the ravens yeah it's just amazing like like i said the rate we've said it multiple times the ravens were one of the best teams in this draft and they seem to focus I mean, three out of the four picks we talked about from them already were all defense. The only other one was Linderbaum on the line, which, uh, I mean, that was a good pick in itself. But, yeah, Travis Jones, defensive tackle, he's going to go right in there with Calais Campbell for this year. And, uh, like, it's kind of funny because pre-draft, a lot of people were saying that the Ravens were going to go and get um, I'm blanking the the defensive tackle in the first round. Jordan Davis. Yes, Jordan Davis. Thank you. And I think it was Daniel Jeremiah that said, like, just imagine like seeing the Ravens get off the bus and just seeing Jordan <laughs> Davis and Clayus Campbell walking off the bus together. Well, they, it's not Jordan Davis, but it's still the same scenario. I I think it'll be awesome to see him in that on that defensive line 
Yeah, they got they got some dudes up front. Calais Campbell, Michael Pierce, Justin Matabike, Derek Wolf, Travis Jones. Uh, and then the next pick after that, Colts, 77th, uh, tackle, offensive tackle, Bernard Ryman, Central Michigan. Uh, the issue with that pick, as much as I love it for the Colts, Ryman is not considered a left tackle. Do they... Yeah, so they have on ESPN right now him slated as the backup left tackle. I'm not so sure he's a left tackle, though. Might have to play there. But I I wasn't so sold. I love the pick, though. I I do like the pick. Mm -hmm. Um, Not so sold he's a right tackle, a left tackle. I mean, I can't think of their depth on the entire line off the top of my head, but I have it in front of me if you want. Well, I'm just saying like they, do they have somebody that they could slide over to the left and then put him at right? Uh, no. Cause Braden Smith has been a, a, a good find in the draft for them at right tackle. Mm-hmm. I, I have a hard time seeing Braden Smith play left. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know. I, I think he could. I think Ryman definitely could play left tackle. It's just I don't see him as a left tackle. Well, who's their starter right now at left tackle? Matt Pryor, former Eagle. <laughs> yeah, I mean. He's more of a guard. Yeah. It's just weird that they haven't invested more in that left tackle position. That they have Matt Ryan there now. Your boy's still out Who there. Who doesn't really have an injury history, but he is up there in age, so. <laughs> your your boy's still out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, resign him. <laughs> okay. Get Fisher on the phone right now. Okay, uh, six picks later, let's talk about it. My boy, Nicobe Dean to the Eagles at 83. I mean, talk about value. That's going to be an incredible steal if that shoulder doesn't turn out to be an issue. Yeah. So but that's why he slid like 60 spots or whatever. Right. Reasoning, there was a torn labrum in Georgia when he was at Georgia. Um, he also, while training for the draft, had a severe pec strain. Teams, some teams thought he needed surgery opted to not get surgery uh and the eagles they said he's not gonna need surgery and that he will be a full go at rookie minicamp so as far as it sounds from the eagles and that's what i was uh i think i read something about it and you know they were thinking of picking him in the second round uh and they didn't they went with cam jorgens instead and then, you know, they kept seeing him fall, kept seeing him fall, and they're like, all right. And they, and that's the thing. Howie Roseman said, you know, he kept checking with the team doctors to see if they were okay with it, and, and they mm-hmm. were. So, uh, you know, as, as far as the Eagles doctors are concerned, they're fine with his peck and shoulder. Um, and the thing, Nakobe Dean never missed a game at Georgia either. So, obviously, he can play through it if he needs to. 
if it is an actual injury. Um, but I don't think it's going to be an issue. The Eagles don't think it's an issue, and I think the Eagles got to steal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's insane that he fell as far as he did, even with the concerns. Like, I thought that the concerns were going to push him maybe to, like, the 40s or 50s, not all the way up to the 80s. Uh, two picks later here, Patriots. Now, this is the first Patriots pick that I actually liked. Uh, you know, you know, I was in love with Marcus Jones, man. He was, he was awesome, and I thought he was maybe going to slide into the second round, possibly. Falls all the way to 85 with the Patriots, and uh, they got a slot corner, man. They got a slot uh-huh. corner that is going to be one of the best returners in the NFL. Yeah, I was upset with this pick because – as you said, this is the first Patriots pick that I actually liked as well. Um, I had started to really get into Marcus Jones because I had seen him mock to the Jets a lot in those <laughs> middle rounds. And, I mean, obviously we got Sauce Gardner, so I'm not as upset as I would have been. But, yeah, in a lot of the mock drafts where we didn't go and get Gardner and we took a different position at number four, and even number 10. Yeah, he was mocked to us at like the third. Sometimes I saw him even falling all the way to the fifth, which obviously the Jets didn't have those picks at that point. But, yeah, I I hate this pick because I like it. <laughs> yeah, and I have no, reason, no idea why they have him slotted as the fifth corner right now. I think he's going to end up being their day one slot corner. Uh-huh. Yeah, with the depth that they have, he needs to be a starter. He is minuscule, though. 5'8", 185. <laughs> I mean, he's clearly got the speed and but he quickness plays, and ability. He plays big, man. He, he'll tackle you. Yeah. Uh, next pick, Malik Willis, 86 to the Titans, ended the fall. Uh, I think they, they traded up for him, didn't they? I don't remember. Uh, let me see. On the, I have the uh, I have the trades up here. Yes, yeah, they traded up four spots to get him. Just sent a uh, fifth rounder to the Raiders. Hmm. But yeah, uh, it's a I I think it's a good pick, especially at this this point. You know, they needed a future. Ryan Tannehill obviously doesn't have that many years left. He's thirty three. Um. So I think it's a good. I think realistically, Malik Willis could almost follow the Aaron Rodgers plan, and I could see a situation where Malik Willis sits for two years. Ryan yeah. Ryan Tannehill retires at thirty five, and you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about this pick because I'm not really a big Malik Willis fan as it is. Um. And, like, I don't know, I just – I feel like his style of play doesn't fit the scheme of the Titans. I just – maybe it's just because of what I've seen or whatever, but I definitely think that they'd be much more suited with, like, a pocket passer type of quarterback. Well, it's funny because they didn't have – they didn't really have that type of quarterback for years. 
you know, when you look at who they had, you know, you go back yeah. to Steve McNair, Vince Young, Marcus Mariota, and even, I mean, Tannehill runs every once in a while now, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there there were big questions with Malik Willis in terms of the offense that he played in at Liberty was very simplistic. I was talking about mm-hmm. Matt Corral's offense being simple. At Liberty, I heard there were, like, like plays that were just, like, one word. You know, <laughs> like, that's how simple it was in that offense. So mm-hmm. he's got a big learning curve in order to learn NFL language and, and play, play language. But, uh, like I said, I think it's a good situation. He's not a first-round pick. Out of the spotlight, he'll be able to put his head down, work, develop in that Titans offense. <laughs> And uh, we'll we'll see him down the road. <laughs> it's funny you say out of the spotlight. Like, I still don't think he is because he was sometimes projected as like number one quarterback off the board and stuff. And it's not like he went to a team where the quarterback position is completely secured. Because mm-hmm. there's been a lot of questions and a lot of turmoil with Tannehill. So. I think there's going to be a lot of times this season where the announcers or the analysts or whoever else say, like, what about Malik Willis? Well, and that's what, you know, we saw Logan. Logan had had Malik Willis going to the Titans at 26, so, <laughs> uh, which is funny. We maybe, we maybe should have gave him a half a point for that one. <laughs> uh, but next one's the, the next quarterback. 94 to the Panthers, Matt Corral. I loved it, man. I was very excited. Like I t- like I said, I had I had Matt Corral kind of tied with Desmond Ritter as my second favorite quarterback. Um and I was very happy the Panthers traded up to get him. Uh they traded a their uh fourth rounder 137 and a third rounder next year. So still are limited in the amount of picks they have next year. That was a big thing with Scott Fitter. He didn't want to pay massive amounts of future draft capital to go get a quarterback. Um, and he didn't, you know, a third rounder, not terrible. It was, you know, not a first or second. So it wasn't terrible draft capital he had to pay to get him. Um, and I think it's going to be a good situation. Like, we mentioned he could play this year possibly if if Sam Darnold struggles again. If he's going to, um, he's got a he has a left tackle now. Okay. Yeah, but that doesn't <laughs> matter. He's still Sam Darnold. And McCaffrey's coming back again for like two games. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, Corral I think was one of my favorite picks in this draft just because of the value in itself. Yeah. Um, because. Just like you, I had Corral probably in my top three quarterbacks in the draft. Um, and, yeah, we'll have to see how things work out this year. But I definitely think that, I mean, it kind of, it's kind of unfortunate that he has to sit behind somebody like Sam Darnold. But I think, regardless, I think sitting will benefit for him and letting him, like, learn on the sidelines and do, develop that way. But, uh yeah, like we've been saying, I won't be surprised, though, if he does see the field this year. And also, I think that this th- the selection of Matt Corral kind of puts to bed the uh, Baker Mayfield rumors, too. 
it exactly does that. Uh, the Panthers said they have no interest in Baker Mayfield anymore. Uh, nope. So, although I still would love to see that because that would have meant that Baker and Sam Darnold were teammates, and they were the first two quarterbacks off the board in 2018. But or yeah, 18. Yeah. Uh, next one here, 102 overall. The Dolphins' first pick of the draft was a great one, and it's funny. Uh, someone commented on all my mock drafts that I had on the on the Dolphins' mock draft. <laughs> it's funny. Someone commented. And they're like, holy crap, bro, you got the Dolphins' first pick right at 102 overall <laughs> in my Dolphins' seven-round mock. And, uh, yeah, I had Georgia linebacker Channing Tindall going to the Dolphins, apparently. And uh, I love it, man. He was the the third linebacker there for Georgia. And like I mentioned to some people, uh, or someone, some people thought Channing Tindall was even maybe even better than Quay Walker and N'Kobe Dean. Uh, so I think the Dolphins got an awesome pick with their first first selection of the draft, um, all the way down at the end of the third round. Yeah, I mean, it was a great pickup for them. Obviously, it's, like, it's pretty much throw the dart at the wall and whatever Georgia player you hit, <laughs> like you're getting a win no matter what because they had so many players in this draft. I, I hope that that analysis isn't right, though. I really hope that he's the third linebacker of the trio. Um, but, yeah, that was a solid pick, nice value for them. And we'll have to see how that shapes out. But, yeah, that was a good pick for them. So going into the fourth round here, uh, the <laughs> just real quick, you mentioned how many players Georgia had. Georgia had, I heard it was an NFL record, 15. But ESPN said, well, ESPN said that that in 84, Texas had 17. So I don't actually know what's true. But regardless, you want to know a crazy thing when I just did the calculation? Georgia accounted for 5.7% of draft picks this year. Uh 15 out of 262. (laughs) Wait, did you say say Texas was the record though that's what they said in 84 it's ironic that texas was the record because they had absolutely zero picks this year <laughs> true yeah i was i was hoping cameron dicker would would get selected um but yeah uh fourth round here kobe bryant 109 to the seahawks he was the jim thorpe award winner oh. this this past year uh and that that was the jets selection as well uh that was part of the Jamal Adams trade, I believe. Yeah, so that was a pick that I really liked from the Seahawks. Like I said, their Kenneth Walker selection was so-so. But, like, love the Abraham Lucas pick. Charles Cross pick was great. And then Kobe Bryant here in the fourth round I thought was good value. And like I said, he was he won the award for being the top corner in college football last year. Because uh, uh-huh. everyone was throwing at him, not Sauce Gardner. <laughs> But he was good. He yeah. Was, he was very good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's solid value. Obviously, with, I mean, yeah, he had most of the workload on that Cincinnati defense. Like you said, he was Sauce Gardner's teammate, and nobody threw over there very often. So Kobe Bryant was defending most of the passes. And, yeah, 
that's an, again, I feel like a broken record, but it's a solid value for that pick that they got. Yeah, next pick, uh, Daniel Fa'alele, Ravens. How many times we got to talk about Ravens picks? <laughs> I'm mad about this one too. Uh, he's. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I texted you about it when it happened. I was so mad that the Ravens went and got him here <laughs> because the Jets have the next pick. And I was like, okay, Fa'alele. We had him mocked to the Jets a few times uh, in, the, in the third round. or I don't think we ever got him in the second, but, yeah, in the third round. And then here we are, him sitting here, and the Ravens go out and take him. And that's just – that's a solid pickup for them. They already went and got Linderbaum. Now they got Falele too. They're building a nice, solid, young offensive line there. Yeah, so Morgan Moses is the right tackle right now. Falele slotted at his backup. Um, but, yeah, they, they got some pieces on the offensive line. And the uh-huh. thing is, Falele is the perfect guy for them to go after. He's a mauler. He's 6'8". I think 330 or something like that. He's massive. Uh-huh. And it was funny because someone mentioned, who, who does Falele remind you of? They're like, Orlando Brown. Uh-huh. <laughs> who they yep. already traded away. Uh, so There seems to be a lot of that in this year's draft, too, is the players got, like, compared to the players that they are essentially replacing. Yeah. Uh, next one, 122, Georgia... I mentioned this when talking about Raiders. Raiders got Zamir White uh, to potentially be their future back, considering mm-hmm. they didn't pick up Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option. Yeah, I, so. I think that was part of the reason why they declined his option, too, is that they got Zamir White. Um, I mean, there's still a chance that Jacobs destroys it this year and earns another contract with the Raiders, but... I think Zamir White's definitely a good backup plan, or he still might be their plan A, and they might. Well, I don't know what they would do with Josh Jacobs, but yeah, Zamir White. Obviously, you know a lot more about him. Zeus. Yeah. But, again, yeah. Again, he's another Georgia running back that's going to a pretty loaded backfield already, though. They have Josh uh-huh. Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, and they also signed Brandon Bolden as well. So. Um four deep there at running back for the Raiders. Yeah, but you'd have to think that he'd be slotted in as the number three ahead of Bolden. Right, he is. He is. But I just don't know how much he's going to play this year with uh, Drake and Jacobs still there. Uh, Cade York, 124 to the Browns. We mentioned this. First specialist off the board. And the Browns are taking a playbook, a play out of the Bengals playbook from last year. Drafting Evan McPherson. Browns are like, well, we got to get our own rookie kicker. Apparently, it works out for you. So, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Cade York, pretty good. I didn't know if there were really any – I didn't think there were any kickers that were really eligible to go. I knew the punters were going to go. I just yeah. didn't know there was any kickers there. Yeah, there, there was no Evan McPherson's in this draft. Yeah, I mean, Cade York, though, he's got a boom and leg. Uh the biggest moment, obviously, him hitting the 55-yarder in the fog against Florida uh, yeah. was the big moment of his last season. But, yeah, I mean, well, solid. 
unless unless Cade York does the same thing that Evan McPherson did last year, like he, unless Cade <laughs> York carries the Browns to the playoffs, I'm I'm not impressed with this pick. Evan McPherson set too high of a rookie kicker bar. <laughs> uh, and also, they said he was the highest kicker drafted since uh, Juan Roberto Aguayo in the second round. <laughs> yep. That 20... Greatest Buccaneers pick ever. Was that 2016 or 17, something like that? Something like that. Uh, next one, Jordan Stout, punter. <laughs> Who did he go to? Oh, yeah, the freaking Ravens. You know, it's just... It's another it's another Ravens pick, man. We cannot get off of it. Uh nope. and he's gonna slot in as their That's the thing. That was a questionable pick though, I thought. They have Sam, Sam Cook has been there for a long time. Uh-huh. Uh but what I do think they saw is Jordan Stout had the biggest leg of any of the punters in the draft. Uh mm-hmm. he can smash it. So Maybe they wanted more of that. Sam Cook's older. And uh, maybe we'll see a punter battle in Baltimore this uh, this offseason. Yeah, Sam Cook, 16th season. Drafted by the Ravens in wow. 06. I didn't realize he was in the league for that long. Oh, yeah. He's been there a while. Uh, Justin... Tucker undrafted in uh, 2012. Uh, all right. Uh, Packers, their second receiver they got, Romeo Dobbs, 132nd overall. Loved it. Romeo Dobbs, Nevada. Great pick by the Packers. He's going to be a guy that's going to be maybe fourth receiver. Uh, kind of guy that is going to give them some some production and depth. Mm-hmm. Patriots here, interesting selection. One thirty seventh, Bailey Zappi, my boy, has found a home in the NFL. I do not like yeah. where he went. He's not going to get much playing time uh, behind Mac Jones, but I do think he will have a shot. Um, at beating Brian Hoyer. I mean, it'll be tough, though, being that Brian Brian Hoyer has been there, like, what, four times now? He's he's Mr. Patriot. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was a very questionable draft overall for the Patriots. Again, that's another central theme of this draft. We've said it many times. But Bailey Zappi literally provides... No value for the Patriots, especially mm-hmm. right now. So, I, I just I don't like to pick at all. Yeah, the hope is that he develops into someone that someone else wants, and they can use him as a trade chip. I mean, that's what they've done with plenty of other quarterbacks in the past. So who knows? But yeah, still, I think it's a wasted pick. Pretty much, but it is my boy Zappy. Love it. Uh. Ravens again. This one I this one I was pissed off about. 139th overall. They take Coastal Carolina tight end Isaiah Likely. First of all, I love Isaiah Likely. I was hoping the Panthers were going to get him. Second of all, they didn't need him. They had already drafted Charlie Kohler earlier. They drafted two tight ends to go behind Mark Andrews. 
Yeah. <laughs> it made no sense. I don't sense. know why likely felt so much, though. He was a lot of people's favorite tight end. Because he doesn't block. Because he doesn't block. Yeah, well, not all tight ends do. A lot of the like good pass-catching ones don't. But like I, I had texted in the group chat, too. Likely Andrews is about to be the next Gronk and Hernandez. Well, like I texted in the group chat, I don't think he's going to play tight end. I think he's going to play receiver for the Ravens. He's going to be... He's a 6'6". Uh, what is he? Here. He is 6'4", 240. I think if he... I don't know. Maybe he needs to slim down. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't. But to play outside, I mean, receiver depth chart in Baltimore is not the greatest. Uh, and the thing is, they already have – they're going to have to keep four tight ends on the roster because they already have their blocking tight end who they signed to an extension, uh, I think, last year or two years ago. Nick Boyle. Nick Boyle is their blocking tight end, and they love him. So you're going to have to keep four. Commanders, first pick of the fifth round. Carson Wentz is shaking in his boots. They picked North Carolina quarterback Sam Howell. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see, uh, we'll see who comes out. Sam Howell is going to give Taylor Heineke competition at the backup spot. Um, I don't know if he can beat him out at this point, but yeah. It's yeah, but I still think that Howell will stick around, obviously. Um, and I think ultimately Howell in the end will take over as the starter, not this year and maybe not even next year, but I think Howell will eventually become the starter. I'm still shocked that Howell was there at the fifth, in the fifth round. Yeah. Me too. Uh, Bills 148th, Khalil Shakir, love it. I mean, that is a pick from Buffalo and Brandon Bean. He is a guy, first of all, that can give you returnability. Uh, and second of all, I think he's going to slot in nicely with this receiving core. Uh, they run six deep at receiver right now. Uh, Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Jamison Crowder, Isaiah McKenzie, Khalil Shakir, and Marquez Stevenson. Yeah. That's that's a core right there. Yeah, it's a scary, scary receiving room right there. And an already loaded offense. I don't know. We'll have to see. I don't know if he's going to make that big of an impact on offense right now. But like you said, he has some return ability. So we'll see if he can make his mark there. But yeah, I, I'm not a fan of that pick. Because of what team he went to. And they got Jake Kumro too. <laughs> uh, Seahawks. Another great... See, I like the Seahawks draft overall, besides the Kenneth Walker pick. Because they got a corner in the fifth round who I thought was going to be a third round pick. Tariq Woolen out of UTSA to get him at 153rd overall was massive value for Seattle. Um, and while they try to rebuild their corner room. Yeah, that was definitely one of the uh, one of the surprises of the draft, too. Like you said, he had third-round value, and 
is still there, but we'll have to see. Yeah, questionable value here on the or questionable pick on this next one. Jerome Ford to the Browns, one fifty sixth overall. It was just like the Seahawks, where I was like, bro, why? Why are you drafting a running back? Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, and Dearness Johnson, and now Jerome Ford. Whatever. <laughs> do, they still, do they still have Felton, too? Isn't he a running back? No, nah, he, he's a wide receiver. Uh, I, I, think, I think they list him as a running back. But, yeah, because he's not listed as, as a wideout on here. But, yeah, Demetric Felton is definitely a wide receiver. Uh, Bucks next pick, 157th. Just like Tariq Woolen, Zion McCollum out of Sam Houston State I thought was a guy that could have possibly went late day two. But even getting him in the fifth, I thought still he had at the very worst fourth round value. Um, so I thought the Bucks did a great job of picking him up here in the in the fifth round. Next one, 176, the Cowboys get LSU linebacker Damone Clark had the spinal fusion surgery uh, on his neck. Um, not going to play this year, obviously, but the Cowboys are hoping uh, 2023 and beyond that he can be a, a linebacker to pair in there with uh, his former teammate in Jabril Cox and Micah Parsons. Yeah, for obvious reasons, he fell to the fifth round, but... If he was healthy and whatnot, I think he would have won much earlier. Yeah. And obviously, like you said, we'll have to wait a year to see how this pans out. But if he ends up being what they expect him to be, then this is possibly even more of a steal in this draft or N'Kobe Dean or David Ajabo or any of the other guys that have fallen pretty far. Last pick of the fifth round, 179th, the Packers. They get a steal. Uh, South Carolina, DN, Kingsley, and Igbare. Uh That was a guy we had in our mocks going late third sometimes. Uh, so Packers needed help on the pass rush that they lost to Darius Smith uh, to free agency. So uh, get some depth behind Gary and uh, Preston Smith. Uh, okay. Here's where I got pissed off. 180th overall, the first pick in the sixth round. Bills take Matt Ariza, punter out of San Diego State. The punt god. He was the third punter off the board, and it's crazy because Mel Kuyper got the punter rankings exactly correct. He had Jordan Stout 1, Jake Camarda 2, and Ariza 3. Uh, which that's the exact order they went. But yeah, the reason I was pissed off about this, first off, I wanted the Eagles to draft him in the in the uh, fourth round. Second off, the Eagles traded down from their fourth round pick, or their fifth round pick, whatever it was, to the sixth round. And then they traded back up to 182nd, or 181st, I mean. The pick right after the Bills took a rise up. So I don't know if the Eagles traded up to get Ariza, thinking that he was still going to be there and the Bills weren't going to take him. Or if they actually traded up for Kyron Johnson, who they got. 
But I was very disappointed. Aaron Sippo sucks, and we need a new punter. <laughs> yeah, punters are people too. So, um, yeah, I just obviously a punter was not really a concern of mine in this draft, but it was just funny to see you react to what happened in that sixth round there. Um, and I hope for both of our sakes, though, that he is not as good of a punter as we think he is because he did go to one of my division rivals in the Bills. So, And the Bills stole your pick. So, yeah, we're both Verizon <laughs> fans at this point. Well, your other division rival continued to make questionable selections throughout the draft because the next Patriots pick, 183rd overall, uh, Kevin Harris, running back out of South Carolina. Again, I was like, why? Some of these teams that drafted running backs, I had no clue why. The for, First off, the Patriots seem like they draft running back every year. Second off, they had already – it was the Ravens situation again. They had already drafted a running back prior. They drafted one of my favorite guys, Pierre Strong Jr., earlier. I think I – don't, I don't know where when he went. Uh, I can see it right here, actually. I think he went in the fourth round. Yeah, he went in the fourth round to the Patriots. They have Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, James White, Pierre Strong, and now Kevin Harris. Like, Kevin Harris has almost 0% chance of making this roster. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, obviously, again, this has been a big central theme of this draft. The Patriots didn't seem to know what they were doing. Um, to the point where I saw this meme of Bill Belichick sleeping, <laughs> and next to him on his computer was like the auto draft logo. <laughs> like, yeah, he he made some questionable calls, but again, like we've been saying, until we actually see these draft picks pan out, especially with the Patriots, there's really nothing we can say about them. Yeah. Uh, next one I have, Panthers 189 overall, Virginia Tech linebacker Amari Barno. Uh, he had been on Mel Kuyper's number, number one best available for a while when I was watching day three. And finally, I was like, bro, finally, good, the Panthers got him. Uh, he ran a 4-3-8 at the Combine, uh, which was the fastest in a long time from a defensive lineman as he was classified at the at the combine uh and he is he's a he's a defensive end he's gonna be in the rotation i think that's good he's gonna end up i think maybe the uh the fourth fourth defensive end third or fourth behind brian burns yator gross matos and marquise haynes uh definitely needed another guy in that rotation so i was happy we got him and uh He's fast. He he ran four three eight at uh, two hundred. I think at the combine he was two forty. They list him at two thirty five when he has been. But getting into more shape. Uh, one ninety five overall Chargers get a guard Jamari Salyer, Georgia. Uh, really good value there. I thought. Uh, he was another guy that I was kind of surprised he slipped that far. Uh, yeah. Maybe should have went in the fourth, but uh, yeah. Well, we wasn't he the 
guy that we had uh, drafted in our one of our mock drafts, but we accidentally picked uh, the other guy? Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, we had him even going in the, in the third round. So to get him all the way down here is a steal. That's interesting. The depth chart on ESPN has Salier as the backup right tackle to Storm Norton. Hmm. Wow. That's weird. So he definitely didn't play tackle at Georgia. <laughs> no. Uh, another Panthers pick. This one I absolutely loved. The Tom Brady selection, 199th overall. The Panthers got a stud guard Cade Mays out of Tennessee. Georgia transferred to Tennessee. Uh, But, yeah, I was ecstatic. Uh, He was kind of like Cole Strange, who I was was hoping would be in the third round for the Panthers. But Cade Mays is going to come in. He's going to be a backup to start. But I think eventually he could take over at left guard for Pat Elfline. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steelers, 208 overall, get Cam Hayward's brother, Michigan State fullback Connor Hayward. Uh, it's it's a sad day, though. Uh, it's going to break up the Watt boys in Pittsburgh. Uh, Derek and TJ, uh, I would think this spells the end for Derek anyways. Didn't really contribute as much as I think the Steelers were hoping he would. Uh, great special teams player, which Connor Hayward's going to be the same way. But I think Connor Hayward's going to give you more on offense than what Derek Watt did. He's going to block, obviously, for Najee Harris, but I think he's also going to give Matt Canada some options in the passing game too. Yeah, well, I guess this is one of the uh, training camp battles that we'll have to see. Well, it was weird too because – they list him on the depth chart as a tight end. And he was he was I think they listed him during the draft as a tight end too. He's definitely a fullback though. Well that's the same situation with the Jets and Trevon Wesco. He was a tight end coming out of the draft too and he's just played fullback for them, so But Connor Hayward played fullback. He didn't play tight end. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Rams got good value, 212th overall. Darian Kendrick, corner out of Georgia. Uh, like I said before, they needed corner help. Uh, they got Troy Hill in the trade with the Browns. Now they got uh, Darian Kendrick in the sixth round as well. Um, surprised he was there this late, but I think there were a lot of corners that I was surprised were there still uh, later mm-hmm. on in the draft. I'll talk about two undrafted guys the Eagles got, but... Uh, yeah, great value for less need in the Rams there. Chance Campbell for the Titans, 219th overall. Uh, love it. He's a little undersized, not that fast. Might only be a first and second down player. Uh, but I love my boy Chance after he showed up in uh, week one against Louisville last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tariq Castro-Fields, last pick of the sixth round, 221st overall for the Niners. Again, they were a team that massively needed corner help. Uh, he has corner safety versatility, and uh, I think he'll, he'll help that uh, San Francisco secondary a lot there. Mm-hmm. Seventh round here, Thayer Munford, 
238th overall to the Raiders, Ohio State. Uh, offensive tackle, he's going to help that line. I didn't have too much to say about him. I just circled that because I thought that was good value by Vegas there. Yeah. Uh, Packers, again, uh, Penn State offensive tackle, Rasheed Walker. I mean, that was a guy who I thought could have maybe – it was a it was a far shot, but he, I I thought he might have been able to even slip into the third round. Uh, definitely, I I thought at the very worst he was going to be a fourth round pick. Ends all the way to the Packers in the seventh at two forty nine. They needed offensive line depth for sure. Uh, and then last two here, Bengals, two hundred fifty second overall. Coastal Carolina DN Jeffrey Gunter going to help them on their pass rush. Loved him at Coastal. Uh, and then we already talked about Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, going to the Niners, 262nd overall. Yeah, and I, I still don't agree with that one. but <laughs> um, I know we're going way, way too long, Chris. But do you have time for a quick undrafted free agent rundown? Yeah, go ahead. So, it, this is alphabetical by team name. Uh, so, uh, the Cardinals, guys I like on their list of guy uh, undrafted guys they signed. Ronnie Rivers out of Fresno State. Um, linebacker Chandler Wooten out of Auburn. The Falcons, uh, wide receiver Stanley Berryhill III out of Arizona. They also signed offensive tackle one Tyler Rabel, Mike Rabel's son out of Boston College. Falcons signed him undrafted. Uh, also, linebacker Nate Landman out of Colorado. Love him. It's funny. I, I started to write them down, and I only got to Dallas. But it was like I was just writing wide receiver, linebacker, wide receiver. <laughs> That's all the positions that I liked. Uh, Ravens. Quarterback Anthony Brown out of Oregon. Running back Ricky Person Jr. out of NC State. And they got three great wide receivers undrafted. Wide receiver Slade Bolden out of Alabama, who everyone and their mother thought was going to be a Patriot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wide receiver Emeka Emezi from NC State. So they got two, uh, two Wolfpack guys there. And then uh, wide receiver Makai Polk out of Mississippi State. Love him there. Uh, for the Ravens. Also, linebacker Diego Fago from Navy. Linebacker Josh Ross out of Michigan. And linebacker Zacoby McLean out of Auburn. All three linebackers to the Ravens there. Uh, the Bills, wide receiver Neil Powu from BYU. Tight end Jalen Weidermeyer, Texas A&M. Like him there with Buffalo. Panthers, there is only one guy. They only signed five undrafted free agents so far. Uh, and the guy I liked with Carolina, wide receiver Charleston Rambo. Miami. Uh, Bears, they signed quite a bu- quite a bit of guys. Uh, running back Master Teague out of Ohio State. Uh, wide receiver Landon Lenore out of Southern Illinois. Um, tight end Chase Allen out of Iowa State. The Bengals, they got uh, running back Shamari Jones, Coastal Carolina. Another uh, Chanticleer wide receiver Javon Hiley. Uh, wide receiver Kwame Lasseter, the second out of Kansas. They got uh, linebacker Clarence Hicks out of UTSA. And a long snapper, Cal Itemitis, 
Adam Itis, the uh, number one long snapper in the draft uh, from Pitt. The uh, Browns here, they got uh, Isaiah Weston, wide receiver out of Northern Iowa. He was a sleeper, possible. Um, linebacker Silas Kelly, another uh, Coastal Carolina guy. And uh, corner Sean Jolly at Appalachian State. The Cowboys, they got some dudes. Uh, I mean, running back Malik Davis out of Florida. A couple wide receivers. Dontario Drummond out of Ole Miss. Ty Freifogel out of Indiana. And Jakari Robbins, Roberson out of Wake Forest. Got tight end Peyton Hendershot out of Indiana. Center Alec Lindstrom out of Boston College. Edge rusher Big Cat Bryant out of UCF. Um, safety Marquise Bell out of Florida A&M. Safety Wanye Thomas out of Georgia Tech. The Broncos. Uh, now this guy is an invited guy. He hasn't been signed yet. But uh, Eric Berrier, Eastern Washington. We loved him in the spring. Uh, who else with the Broncos here? Linebacker Christopher Allen, Alabama. Uh, oh, corner Jaquan McMillan, McMillian, ECU. Lions, running back Greg Bell, San Diego State. Wide receiver Khalil Pimpleton, Central Michigan. Wide receiver Corey Sutton out of Appalachian State. Wide receiver Josh Johnson, Tulsa. Tight end Derek Deese Jr., San Jose State. Love him there. Offensive tackle Obina Ezi, or Easy, TCU there. Uh, the Packers, let's see. Running back Tyler Goodson, love him. Wide receiver, uh, Iowa. Wide receiver Danny Davis, Wisconsin guy. Uh, edge rusher Chauncey Manick out of Louisiana. Linebacker Ellis Brooks, my Penn State boy. Safety Trey Sterling out of Oklahoma State. Uh, the Texans. Wide receiver Johnny Johnson out of Oregon. Offensive tackle Myron Cunningham out of Arkansas. Uh, safety Colby Harvell Peel out of Oklahoma State. I think this is Zion's brother. Uh, defensive back Tristan McCollum. Just because he's out of Sam Houston State too and he has the same last name. <laughs> uh, the Colts, they got quarterback Jack Cohn, Notre Dame. Couple, they got three good running backs here. Running back Max Borgie, Washington State. Running back Devontae Price, Florida International. And running back C.J. Verdell out of Oregon. The Colts signed a, a crap ton of undrafted free agents. Wide receiver Samson Nakua, BYU. Uh, offensive tackle Ryan Vandemark out of UConn. They got uh, defensive end Scott Patchen out of Colorado State. Linebacker Jojo Doman out of Nebraska. Jets didn't want him. <laughs> uh, linebacker Sterling Weatherford out of Miami, Ohio. Corner Dallas Flowers out of Pittsburgh State. They spelled that wrong on this article. No H. No H. No H on the end. Uh, Kansas, Pittsburgh. Uh, Jags wide receiver Kevin Austin Jr. out of Notre Dame. Tight end Garrett Prince out of UAB. Uh, linebacker Grant Morgan, Arkansas. And kicker Andrew Mavis, Iowa State. The Chiefs, they got quarterback Dustin Crum out of Kent State. 
Running back Darian Ely out of Ole Miss. Running back Tayon Fleet Davis out of Maryland. Uh, linebacker Mike Rose out of Iowa State. Love that for Kansas City. Uh, Vegas quarterback Chase Garbers out of Cal. Wide receiver Justin Hall out of Ball State. Wide receiver Trey Turner out of Virginia Tech. Uh, defensive tackle Myron Tagovailoa Mosa out of Notre Dame. Linebacker Zach Van Valkenburg out of Iowa. Safety Quinterio Cole out of Louisville. Chargers quarterback Brandon Peters out of Illinois. Running back Letty Brown, West Virginia. Uh, running back Kevin Mark Jr. out of Buffalo. Uh, tackle Andrew Trainer out of William & Mary. Rams, do I like any of their guys? I don't, oh, no, I do. Uh, no. Mm. Linebacker Jake Hummel, Iowa State. I think that's the only guy I really like there. Oh, actually, no, they got they got the Dicker. They got kicker Cameron Dicker of <laughs> Texas with the Rams there. <clears throat> uh, Dolphins, they got Bam Knight, NC State, and also running back uh, Zaquandre White out of South Carolina. Wide receiver Tanner Connor, Idaho State. He's one of my favorite small school guys. Uh, wide receiver Braylon Sanders out of Ole Miss. Offensive tackle Kellen Deesh, Arizona State. Uh, da, da, da. Vikings, wide receiver Thomas Hennigan, Appala Appalachian State. Um, Patriots, they got uh, they listed him as a wide receiver, which I was surprised. Derek King, Miami, uh, <clears throat> making the switch, I think. D tackle LeBrian Ray, that uh, Alabama. New England connection there. Of course. And uh, they got punter Jake Julian, Eastern Michigan. The Saints, running back Abram Smith at Baylor. Wide receiver Dejon Dixon on Nickel State. Uh, wide receiver, kick returner Rashid Shahid. Your favorite school, Weber State. <laughs> uh, tight end Lucas Krull out of Pitt. Um, linebacker Joel Dublenko, Cincinnati. Linebacker Nephi Sewell, Utah. Safety Smoke Monday out of Auburn. Uh, they got kicker John Parker Romo, Virginia Tech. The Giants, uh, running back Jayshon Corbin, Florida State. Tight end Austin Allen, Nebraska. Um... D-line, Christopher, Christopher Hinton, Michigan. Edge rusher, Timon Fox, North Carolina. Uh, safety, Yusuf Corker out of Kentucky. Your Jets. Okay, this is uh, this is where it becomes questionable because it also lists Bam Knight on the Jets. So I don't know which team he actually went to. Uh, otherwise, with the Jets, defensive tackle, C.J. Brewer. Coastal Carolina, like that one. Yep. Um, nothing else. <laughs> uh, the, um, the yeah, there was there wasn't much for the Jets on draft to class, but the actual draft to class made up for it. So the Eagles, like I said, I loved the guys we got. Man, uh, we got two quarterbacks, 
Quarterback Carson Strong, Nevada. Quarterback EJ Perry out of Brown. Uh, we got running back Kennedy Brooks out of Oklahoma. Wide receiver Britton Covey out of Utah. Guard William Dunkel, San Diego State. Uh, and then these were these were the two I was really excited about undrafted. Corner Mario Goodrich out of Clemson. And corner Josh Job out of Alabama. Those two, I was super excited that we got those guys. Um, and then also I liked safety Reed Blankenship, mid-Tennessee State. Uh, the Steelers, running back Mateo Durant, Duke. Super hyped. We got running back. We got we got Mark's cousin. We got Jalen Warren, running back, Oklahoma State. Uh, center Chris Steele out of USC. Uh, that was it there. Uh, and the Niners, wide receiver Taysier Mack, Pitt. Wide receiver Tay Martin, Oklahoma State. Big one for the Niners. They got center Donovan West, Arizona State. He was a guy that I thought was for sure going to get drafted. Uh, linebacker Jeremiah Gemmel, UNC. Safety Leon O'Neal, Texas A&M. Seahawks, they signed a bunch. Got uh, quarterback Levi Lewis out of Louisiana. Uh, they have invited this guy. He hasn't been signed yet, though. Quarterback Caleb Ellaby, Western Michigan. Uh, wide receiver Demetrius Robert, Robertson, Auburn. Linebacker Vi Jones, NC State. Safety Joey Blunt out of Virginia. Safety Bubba Bolden, Miami. Uh, safety Scott Nelson, Wisconsin. Uh, the Bucks. Wide receiver Jarris Stearns, Western Kentucky. Wide receiver Devin Tompkins, Utah State. Uh, linebacker Ola Kunle Fatukasi out of Rutgers. Linebacker J.J. Russell out of Memphis. Uh, safety Nolan Turner, Clemson. Uh, the Titans, wide receiver Reggie Roberson, Jr., SMU. Uh, defensive tackle Haskell Garrett, Ohio State, and defensive tackle Jaden Peavy, Texas A&M. That was, that was two big gets, I thought, for Tennessee. Uh, they also got defensive lineman David Onanai out of Houston. Corner Trey Swilling, Georgia Tech. And then the commanders, quarterback Cole Kelly, southeastern Louisiana. Wide receiver Jaquez Ezard, San Houston State. Uh, and that was it. <laughs> There's a lot of guys I like. But I, I I still think the Eagles won the undrafted free agents. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was a couple surprises there that I was surprised that went undrafted. I said Carson Strong's name a million times already. Uh, Jojo Doman was another one I was surprised. Slipped all the way to undrafted. Um, but yeah. Some of those, we'll have to see which of those undrafted guys actually end up making rosters and making an impact. But, yeah. yeah, a bunch. A bunch will. It happens every year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. And be some of the ones that we don't expect to, so. Right, yeah. So uh, we will not have a Monday show next week. Unless someone else can host it, because I will not be here. Uh, <laughs> I will be traveling most of the way to North Carolina 
uh, right after my final. So, uh, unless Logan can host it, because I don't think you can't, right? No, I can't. So, uh, next Monday show will be the 16th, and that will be, uh, actually, that's not right. The NFC North recap is not right, because uh, we're doing the AFC South this weekend. We'll do the NFC North show possibly the Friday show after that. I don't know if we're going to have a Friday show after that. We got to see how my first week goes, what time I get done in my internship, and then uh, we got to figure out if we can still do Monday, Friday at 5, or if we got to change the schedule around. So the, the second two Fridays from now show is unconfirmed, but at least this Friday we'll have another show, and it will be the AFC South Eighth round draft recap. Talking Jags, Titans, Colts, and Texans. So, apologies for the long show. We had 262 picks to recap. I thought we did a good job of getting it in in almost three and a half hours. Uh, <laughs> I know you got stuff to do. I know you got stuff to do. Uh... Go have fun with your family. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch some Netflix. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us uh, on all our social media though at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. FAAPodcast.com is our website. You can check us out here on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Chris, you're free from having to post on Instagram for a little bit. <laughs> all right. All right, man. Uh, Appreciate it, and we'll see you on Friday.